Welcome in. It is episode number 27, 27 of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster with you. Our weekly trip around the world of the WWE and pro wrestling. Aaron, of course, covers those things for the Baltimore Sun as well as Rolling Stone. I am so lazy that not only do I not cover those things, but when I'm supposed to be at a professional wrestling event, I am instead stuck at the state fair. It's just the way it happens sometimes. You're the worst. I, don't, I really am the worst. You, you really are the I worst. I am. Look, it's, it's work. Just easy up over there, all right? If you would, easy up. I mean, you, you only missed, you know, uh, the New no, Day. No, 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 no. This is where – we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in a second. I am not – in fact, I was really angry at the idea that I was going to be missing it, but I'll explain to you why I'm not angry whatsoever about the fact that I missed it. We'll do that in a second, though. Uh, our show this week, we have a great guest, great guest on this week's show. You've probably heard of him, Diamond Dallas Page. He's, I, I think I know the name. Yeah, he's kind of significant. Yeah. Um, and significant, his – Post wrestling life, yes, yes, maybe now matching his wrestling life. His legend is now so much more about what he's doing to save the lives of other professional wrestlers. Um, you've probably heard about DDP Yoga. He'd opened up this week a DDP Yoga Performance Center. I know uh, Stone Cold was down there. He recorded yep. his podcast at the uh, the DDP YPC. Um, it's unbelievable, really unbelievable what DDP has done. So we were thinking this week about we're in the second segment today this week's show. We're going to talk about the 25th anniversary of the first 20th. ever 20th. Sorry, thank you. 20th anniversary of the first ever Monday Nitro, and I was like, oh, who are some old WCW guys that I could reach out to? And I was like, oh, DDP, and we'll talk to them about it. But there's so much more yes. to talk to with DDP. Um, he, they're doing a documentary about uh, what they've done with Jake the Snake Roberts. I am about halfway through it. It is unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. So we'll talk to DDP about all that stuff a little bit later on the show. I'm really looking forward to it. I've talked to DDP a handful of times before, and he's just a great guest. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's the best, man. And he's somebody that, that right now the wrestling business needs badly. Absolutely. Badly, because he's a really great story. Uh, it's all brought to you by WrestleCrate. We love WrestleCrate. Um, I, you know, I know you love your WrestleCrate because I've been watching your – I'm not even talking to you this time, Aaron. I'm talking to people in the general. The world. I've been watching – I know you love your WrestleCrate. I do love my WrestleCrate. Yeah, but I also know that everybody else does because I've been watching the videos. Um, it is a lot of fun to watch you guys unpack your WrestleCrates. For the wrestling fan in your life, a subscription to WrestleCrate is the picture-perfect gift. Every month, a surprise package of wrestling goodies will appear at their front door. New items from Mattel, Funko, Fathead, Tops, DVDs, autograph memorabilia, T-shirts from Barbershop Window and ProWrestlingTees.com. It all starts at just $15 a month. Go to WrestleCrate.com to subscribe. And it's not that you have to pay $15 a month. You can take 10% off of that if you use our code. J-O sent me. J-O sent me. You take 10% off your subscription to WrestleCrate. And uh, the T-shirts alone are 20 bucks, so it's a big victory to go this route. And uh, sign up for WrestleCrate and uh, use that code J-O sent me. All right, you were there on Monday night. I was there. It was good times. I was not. You were I not. got stuck at the Maryland State. Yeah, I, I, I got a nice seat next to me because oh, uh, you weren't I'm there. Sorry, I'm very, I am very, very sorry that I didn't make it on uh, Monday fine. night. It's a good time. Um, I do have a couple of things though. I was really upset I was going to miss it on Monday night because I was like, I'm going to miss maybe my only ever opportunity to see Sting. 
Yes, nope. it turns out didn't miss nope. that at all. Nope, nope, nope. Didn't, that, that was the one disappointment of the didn't night. Didn't miss that at all. Now, this is what's really frustrating me about Monday night. I assume the fact that he never came out means he wasn't there. No, I think he was there. I, I bet you he was there in the afternoon. I bet you it was a situation where they wanted to get him on like an I 830 was, flight. I was trying to figure out, as I used the name of the company for the uh, trash compactor. Yeah. And it is a West Virginia-based company. Now, that doesn't mean that, that they Well, that doesn't have really a, make sense. It doesn't. As as well, and that's what I'm saying. Was there a house show at some point somewhere? Was there, were they Not in really. Pittsburgh at some time? No. Where they could have taped it? I couldn't really figure out how that would help. And it's not impossible that a West Virginia-based trash compactor could somehow end up in Baltimore. Right. But if you're getting Sting to Baltimore and not putting him out in front of the well, crowd, yeah. that I, to I, me is a massive miss. I, I was, you know, I, I, I figured, okay, so you have him out there. First of all, the other miss was not having him push the statue into the harbor. That was a miss. No, that would have been tremendous. That, that I agree with that. Um, and I was, I was like, okay, so, so they do this fine. You know, they, they want all these uh, little vignettes on the air where they're showing basically the TNA side of Sting, which was really fascinating that they went that route. But um, I figured, okay, maybe he comes out in the dark segment. You know, he comes out. At, at, that's totally. If yeah. you bring him out after the the TV taping is over, perfectly fine. That's unbelievably acceptable. The idea is you, you have, have to him. have Sting right. there. I, the only thing I can think of is apparently, you know, this was a last minute decision to bring him, and so maybe for whatever reason they had to have him in at five. You know, in in the afternoon and out by eight for whatever reason. I don't know why that would be, but I, it's the only thing I can think of. Then why of. bring him in? Well, you bring him in because the TV show counts more than the live I, audience. I get that. I, that's I why you bring him in. Okay, I understand what you're saying there, but that seems to me like that you've got to figure out a way to get around that. that. That is a huge... This to me goes back to the issues that I have with part-timers, which is there's they've got to be used correctly. This to me did not work. It just didn't... I, it felt weird on Monday night. Well, the me. only reason, if this was in, San, well, if this had been taped in San Francisco, I, I, you wouldn't let me, be Let me explain that. to you why that's not true. Because it goes back to some of the other things that I think that are going on, which are, either you really elaborately went out of your way to make it look like the Stone Cold podcast happened in Baltimore, or the Stone Cold Stone podcast. Stone Cold podcast was in Baltimore. Are you certain of that? No, I'm not. That's, but, <laughs> I mean, make, I'm gonna bring that up, because Stone Cold didn't ever really reference Baltimore, like on, you know, on Twitter or anything, like there's nothing about that. And it would have been very elaborate, I get it, to have Edge and Christian wear the same thing on the podcast they you wore know, in Baltimore. Edge and Christian out with Xavier and the I, Dudleys and have them all there together. Obviously, Edge and Christian were there. We know that because we could see the Baltimore Arena stuff. Right. But that means that at your live event, yes. you had Sting, Ed. Stone Cold, Edge and Christian all in the same and never brought them out to the crowd. Yep. Why does that make sense? Um, and again, I'm not certain they had Stone Cold. I'm still not certain of that. I think that they might just be catching on a little bit that people understand he's not live. There, there, there were previous times when I wouldn't, we, and we've talked about this, where yes. I wonder if they were live. And it would be, it would have been I, very I mean, elaborate. I understand. If, it would have been if very they elaborate. Flew Edge and Christian out for a back, literally one back. It's one thing, you know, Sting was there three or four times and, and did all that. If they flew Edge and Christian out for one, Amazing backstage segment, to be fair. It was one of the best segments ever, basically. But It was a good segment. It, it, I, I, I'm using it, a little hyperbole know, there, yes. but it, it was a fantastic segment. It was what everyone wanted. I'm, everybody's in agreement on that segment. Yes. Um, that would be just insane. Okay, so which is worse, that you only flew Edge and Christian in for that, or that you had Stone Cold Steve Austin in the building and never brought him out in front of the crowd? 
Which is worse? Because um, one of the two is true. Well, okay. Here's here's the question. How would you bring Stone Cold out? I don't know that answer yeah, and, yet. And, and I would have is, to, but hang on. I would have to think about it, but I know this much. There's a lot of things that Stone Cold can do, put over. Well, that's the thing. Because you're the one who complaining about they're, they're bringing these guys out just to put over well, John Cena. You don't Cena. put over John Cena. <laughs> but here's yeah, the thing. I'm pretty sure at some point he has put over I, John I, Cena, but I don't remember it. I'm fine with not using – part of it actually may be – uh, you have to pay him to be on TV. Maybe. And, and that could be a big part of it. Why wouldn't it be worth it if you're already paying him to do these damn podcasts? Well, but to pay him a little extra to be on TV. You're already flying well, in okay, Baltimore. But, but here's the, I, I don't like the idea. It, when Stone Cold comes back to television. Yes. In any fashion. It doesn't matter what, you know, as far as on Raw. Not, yes. not as far as the podcast. It should mean something. I don't want him to just come out because he's saying, hey, I'm doing my podcast here and I'm going to randomly put over uh, Roman Reigns. I would I would not mind him randomly putting someone over that's further down the card that could use something. And I don't know what the easiest way that is, but it's not it's very important to me. It's not John Cena. They don't well, need I that. I know with we John we Cena. we know that but from it's last it's week. Beyond, that it's, it's beyond just that they've had everybody do it. They just don't need it. Right. That point being that you have a bunch of stuff going on in your card that kind of really doesn't I, matter. But, oh, but, and by but the then way, I, I think that it deva- if if Stone Cold does come back later on, like actually comes yeah. back for one last match, if he's coming back every month to you know do this podcast and to put over somebody randomly, which again we think is live. Wait, okay, we're assume, we're we're working under the yeah. assumption here that it's live. If if we're having him come out every month to put over someone small, then when he does come back, it it, it devalues that. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe, but I think that you have I, Edge I, and Christian. I I would have liked to see Edge and Christian come out I because that, there's no reason not to bring out Edge. And Christian. I think that Stone any Cold. Of them. I Stone Cold. I think I understand. Ex- except for I think the real answer could be that they did all of it earlier in the day. That it could be the same thing with Sting. They had a flight for all three of them. That Edge and oh, Christian possible. taped at five, that, and the that, podcast taped at five. They could have done all of it. Yep, that's possible at too. five o'clock as well. But I, it doesn't make any sense to me why bring them into the city and do all those things and not have them available for your live tv show or to do something that uh, quite, helps quite frankly because it, it did was there any problem with edge and christian coming out to be a part of what they did with the new day and the dudleys did they hurt that in any way did it devalue anything no because we know that edge will never wrestle again okay well i don't i don't truly believe that stone cold is ever wrestling again well um, but i'm saying there's a chance You're it, saying, it's not impossible I, I hear you saying that and there's a chance that christian might wrestle again too but edge no I, I understand what you're saying. My point being, they're able to use those guys. We, we saw Edge and Christian four months ago, or six months ago. Functionally, within the span of, and that one, I didn't like the other way that they used them. I thought that was too forced. I didn't, I didn't like that. It didn't make sense, the Seth Rollins thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was too forced in that moment. But le- what they did on Monday night was good. There's no reason why you couldn't do that somehow here's, here's in why. the ring. Edge and Christian were seeing, you know, Christian, we see fairly regularly. Edge, we're seeing every, you know, it seems like he pops up every six months. The last time we saw Stone Cold was WrestleMania 30, probably? I don't remember seeing him since then. Yeah, I don't think we've seen And And yeah. before WrestleMania 30, I don't think we had seen him often. Been, it seems like it's been a while. Uh, Stone Cold, I, I think there's a big difference between Edge and Christian and Stone Cold because of that. Because when he shows up, it should be special. When he yeah. shows up, they, should, they shouldn't just be throwing him out here to do something random. I think that you can do it, though. Like, for example, there's clearly a history between Stone Cold and Kevin Owens, right? 
There is a history that has been referenced a couple of times. Stone Cold was one of the first people to reach out to Kevin Owens after he got signed. There's no reason why you couldn't have some sort of interaction between the two. Not necessarily a major moment, but some sort of interaction because he's well, Stone Cold are, are, Steve well, Austin and the, Kevin Owens is... If, if, mm-hmm. if they had just been walking by in the backstage area... They wouldn't area. have done the exact same thing. I understand well, that. No, no, no. But, well, but I'm saying, you're complaining right now that there are all these vignettes without... If you're just saying, okay, Stone Cold and Kevin Owens pass each other in the hallway or I something like that. I still think that would have been more beneficial than the way you use Stone Cold. I'm not saying it's the best way to use them, but I think it would have been more beneficial than what you did. I mean, sure. Obviously, anything's better than nothing. Correct. But, but I, I don't... If I see Stone Cold on Raw, I don't want him to be a 15-second walking by giving a quick head nod to Kevin Owens. But again, you know he's there. He showed up at the end of Raw. They put him on the TV at the end of Raw. Did he? I, I don't know. Yeah, they, they cut to... But that, I mean, that's just an advertisement. But you're for... understanding he's there. It's not like you're pretending he doesn't exist. Right. He's there and you're doing nothing with him. And again, Aaron, it's way more to me about you have so much of your see, card. But, then you, but you'd be... See, you're, you're now twisting it because you were saying, oh, this is bad. They need to be out in front of the live audience. They need to I do I do want them out in front of the live audience. Well, but you're, I don't want to put Stone Cold out in front of the, just to kind of come out and wave and go away. Okay, I don't want him to come out and wave either. I don't want him to do but, the but Hulk Hogan thing. Saying. No, I'm not. I'm saying that you involve him with the guys in the middle of your card somehow because there's too many guys right now in the middle of the card that are wrestling for how, the sake of wrestling. How are you putting him out there in front of the live audience where he's acknowledging someone in the middle of the card and not... And, and, and then going away. You can use him as a commentator for a match. You can use him in a million ways, Aaron. You're just trying to argue for the sake of arguing. I'm not right now. trying to argue There's for the sake of a million ways. I'm saying that you're complaining. You can't. You can bring him in front of a crowd, have him then go be a guest commentator for a match, and it happens to be Kevin Owens' match. There's a billion things that you can do. But well, what are you to, setting up for that? I, you or might you just, not be setting up anything. Well, I want setting up is so bettering cold, Kevin so Owens. Cold is big enough that I do not want him to show up for the first time in. 18 months and do a a 10-minute thing where he simply puts over somebody and goes away. You're going to continue to have a weak mid-card. That's what, but if, if the only way to put over the mid-card is to bring out Stone Cold Steve it's Austin... It's not the only way, well, but okay. it's a way. But it's not... It's Sure, it's a way. But then, okay, the next week, so so he puts over Kevin Owens, and you're expecting something to come from that. And then no, Stone no, Cold you Austin's don't have to there. expect something to come from it. But, but it can you be are, the type of you thing... You are going no, to. you're not. You are going to. It's a to. simple convert. You're, you are you're making it seem like that everybody is the dumbest person on the planet. And by the way, there's a lot of wrestling fans that are. But there's no you reason... Would be, you, would, you would be complaining if they brought out Stone Cold and never brought him out again for no, six months. Why would I complain about that? For the same reason you complain no, about... No, I complain about a lot of things. <laughs> yes. I do complain about a lot of things. But there's no nothing in my history. You're just assuming that I complain about everything, so that's what I complain about. That's not the case. My argument would be that then for the next couple of weeks, you can use that moment within the course of your card. You have a mid-card that has nothing going on for it. Nothing. And you regularly... Look, one of their biggest issues right now is there's so much good that should be happening from this mid-card. But they can't seem to make these things matter. If Stone Cold shows up this week and does anything with Kevin Owens, tells him, this is why I'm disappointed in you, it's the type of thing that you can run with for three weeks with whoever it is. What is Kevin Owens doing right now? Shooting with Ryback. Why? For the Intercontinental title. Because that makes sense, fair, right? It makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Give me another guy. Cesaro. What's Cesaro doing? Uh, apparently he's involved with Miz and the Big Show. He had show. a match with the Miz. But and then he got knocked going... out with the Big Show. Right, the big so show. who knows where that... I guess another triple threat? Great. Uh, well, I, I think it's probably more Big Show Cesaro. That's my guess it'll be Big Show Cesaro without Miz included. 
Okay, so you use the Miz. You have a million guys that are meddling in your mid-card that you don't have direction for, and you're forcing them into these secondary and, and title I, matches. You know what? If you had said Edge and Christian should be out there putting them over, or if you had said, you know, someone like that, I'd be, I'd be 100% in agreement you with you. have a problem with it being Stone Cold for some reason. Because, because his appearances, at this point, the way right now, his appearances, and I'm not counting the podcast or, or showing him at, at the podcast. I'm talking about his appearances on Raw, interacting with someone outside of the podcast. They are special at this point. They are an extremely rare commodity. And it, it's one of the few things they have in their pocket that is whenever he comes out, it's special. It's not, it's not Hulk Hogan coming out to shill. I, and it's I'm not, not asking for it's Stone not Cold Ed, to shill. It's not Edge and Christian coming out to put over a the huge, New Day. It's not Edge and Christian putting over Seth Rollins. There's a huge difference between Hulk Hogan shilling I, and, I and what I'm looking to do with Stone Cold. And I understand. And you're, you're, what you're talking about really is what kind of what, what they're using Edge in right now. Coming out every six months, putting him over. And I think that there should be a big difference with Austin, who shows up Every two years, if if the if well, the audience is again, lucky, he's not really and, showing up every two years. If he's doing these podcasts live, he's showing up every few at, months on Raw, right? As besides being behind the podcast, but you've got nothing from it. You got the now, but that's the thing. But that my point being that you're saying that if it's going to be special, then it yes. should build to something, and it hasn't built to anything. No, 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 no. We don't know that yet. For when he comes back, when he comes back and gets in that ring, it's going to be a special moment. If he ever gets in that if, ring, it, you're right. You're right. When I'm assuming that at some point, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to get back in the ring, not even necessarily for a match, but for a regular, at, at least one more feud, one more storyline. He is going to be for a month or two. And I've never wor- one. I've never worked under that assumption. I've just always thought that, that, that I, I don't think he's done. His I don't health, think he's done health, health wise. No, I'm not even saying necessarily a match. I'm so not even. Then, then what's the point? I, because when he does show up, when he steps in that ring, when he appears in front of that live audience, it is going to be special. There are very few special things left in wrestling. There are very very few. Someone got you know. Shawn Michaels coming out isn't special No, anymore. it's not. Because he comes out every single month. And that's what I don't... But they've failed when they've used him. But There's no even, even if they even Triple if they H used Sting him well, didn't need Shawn Michaels. You're, you're absolutely right. But there was a million directions where Shawn Michaels could have been involved in the Daniel Bryan thing to make it good. And they failed at every but, turn. But part of it is because he's showing up every four months. No, to, not because he's showing up every but four it, months. No, because he, you know, he was used in it. And, and granted, he wasn't used perfectly and he wasn't used particularly well. But he was used in it. He's used to put over Cena, he's used to. Yeah, well, he was I mean, used before the what, was it before the Rumble? They were predicting Rumble winners or Andre used, the Giant. They, Bauer. they used him when when uh, what when uh, Cena and Rock weren't around. Or when Rock wasn't around, they needed something. I, I feel to help. like I, I think I think it might have been before the Rumble. He came out for like a panel thing, and him and, maybe yeah, might have been. But but that's the I don't want Stone Cold to even if he was used every time he comes out every four months to put over someone in the mid card. I'd rather use Shawn Michaels for that. I'd rather use... If Shawn Michaels was already there hosting a podcast in your city, that would make a whole lot of I'd sense ra- to me. There are, like I said, there are a few special things. Stone Cold in the ring is a special thing. I, 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 you're saying that, but I don't think it means the same. I think, I, what, I, well, see, we don't, I think it's we don't more that it. you want it to be that way than that it actually is well, that And way. we'll see. We'll see when he steps back in the ring. We'll see. And, and if and he I, does... Again, I think that he will be, I will, I, in some point, whether it's the, the 30th anniversary of Raw or whatever, whatever the number is going to be, 
He's going to be inside and, and the so square you, circle. You waited. You waited. Uh, there were we'll ten see. years where you could have used him to do we something, will, and you will. didn't, so you could get one moment where he walks back into we, the ring at the 30th anniversary of Raw. I'm making up a number there. <laughs> I'm just the saying, man. Like, I, I think that there's the potential of Stone Cold coming out being special, and I don't want to take away that potential. I, I and, okay. and it's one of those things where I think that the, what you're talking about using him for, yeah. there are better people to use that for than someone who hasn't shown up in 18 he's months. He's already there. He's in the city. You're referencing him. You're putting him on the screen. The only th- the barrier that you are talking about that doesn't exist or that exists is this notion that it matters once he steps yes. between and the I, ropes. And I think it does. And I, it, to me, that's it's insane. You're I, using Stone Cold for nothing. I, I disagree. For podcasts, which is nice. I mean, if, if you enjoy the podcast. I guess I don't listen to him. I think that him talking about Kevin Owens is using him for nothing. No, that matters. I don't. That I don't know. If, if that matters, if then Miz would have gotten over when Ric Flair. You use it the right way. Ric Flair came out, had a nice you, thing with Miz. You know damn well the Miz is the wrong person to use that for. You know yeah, it you're damn, damn well. You're damn right, dude. But I don't think that one appearance. Let's say if they had done Dolph Ziggler, like people had thought that possible. Right. I don't think that one segment between Ric Flair and Dolph Ziggler would have changed the course of Dolph Ziggler's career forever. I, I don't know. What it would have done for Dolph Ziggler's career. I know right now Kevin Owens is in a spot where they pushed him like hell, and I do, they have nothing I, to follow. I, and it I up don't with. think one one thing with with one comment from Steve Austin. I don't think changes. I, that. I don't know that it changes the course of his career, but it injects some sort of life, something into a guy that has nothing going for him at the moment. An entertaining segment. He had a good segment. That's fine. I need more from Kevin Owens. Then have Edge and Christian do it. Don't have thing. Stone Cold to do it. You, you, <laughs> the, the, I'm serious about you, it. You're so caught up on this. I, you're right. I am. I, I absolutely am. I have no idea how to explain it. It just doesn't. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me why you're so caught up on this. I. It's. A, I. I want Stone Cold's return to mean something. And just because there's so. You know what it is? There's so little that means anything. Well, yeah, of course there's. So I want. I don't want Stone Cold randomly. But I don't think what you're talking about to me. Again, you can do everything. If you're so worried about him stepping in the ring, then you have it happen with Kevin Owens that I'm going in the ring. I don't understand why you're caught up but on this. But then it's us again. If it's a one-time thing, you it's us. It, it's are. as a character, as the Stone Cold character, yeah. as as opposed uh-huh. to the Stone, as part of the Steve Austin podcast. Yeah, well, it's still the same guy. <laughs> I mean, it's the same guy. It, but it's different. It should feel different. If it doesn't feel different, then well, there's a problem. What if we problem. take the Broken Skull Ranch? What if we do that? <laughs> Fine, if, if Kevin Owens runs the Broken Skull Challenge, you fine, brought, you, it's, it's their idea to bring Stone Cold Steve Austin to Baltimore. I don't think they should, for the record. I don't think that you should do it that way, because then you avoid all this nonsense. But if you're going to have him there, for God's sakes! Let's move on. Alright, uh, quick, quick, quick hit on is the there anything else that mattered from Raw? Um, uh, Orton, I guess, is the third man. Alright, for whatever reason. Like, because they, they desperately needed a third man. That and was, he was the guy standing around that had nothing else to do. Yeah, that, that was, that was really bad. It makes it, no th- sense. Th- this could have been a really nice opportunity. I, and they, they, maybe it. it could have, but it's awkward because they're not really reunited. Like, they have the, the Ambrose and, and Reigns come out together like they were doing the shield entrance, right? And so that's supposed right. to matter a little right. bit. It, it would matter if you were recruiting Randy Orton to join the Shield. Like that would matter if you were recreating the Shield. That would be huge. But you're not. No, you're you're, having you're just him. finding a random third guy to come hang out with two guys that are in a group. But the group doesn't exist, but they want you to think that the group exists because they're coming out the same way the group used to come out, and that makes no sense. <laughs> I, I I feel like either be the Shield or don't, man. Right? No. Like I, I feel like this is 
probably. Oh God, this he, goes back to how no, uncomfortable no, no, no. I am with the Ambrose Reigns thing. Well, that too, and and just I, I'm trying to figure like because it feels like they are building up to something bigger for Survivor Series between these two groups. And I'm I wait, get it, wait, but that's two months off. It's two like, months like, off. Like I, I was thinking, okay, so you you bring in Orton, you do whatever, then maybe Rowan comes back, so you need a fourth, and then eventually you bring back The Rock to team with. Roman, because that makes sense if you're talking about the family. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Honestly, that's what it feels like to me that that that's where they're heading with this. I don't necessarily think that's the best idea, but it does feel to me like that's where they're going. The Usos will be healthy by then. Maybe throw them in too. <laughs> Jesus. I do it. I just I don't. Well, no. Honestly, this I, is why I, I, I worry. Actually, I think there. I think that might be a mat. I feel like uh, Uso on. Sometime I feel like I saw some tweet about that Uso is going to be teaming with one like the healthy Uso is going to be teaming with Brains and Ambrose or something. Okay, there you go. It's a family <laughs> thing. I, I, this this is why the Reigns Ambrose thing has always felt more forced and more like a detraction than a help to them. That if if this was a, if they were going to say, look, we're going to do the Shield again, we're going to do the Shield, and we don't need you, we're going to grab somebody else. Right. I think that would matter. I think that'd be a good thing for them. But otherwise, it just feels more like these guys aren't kind of moving on in their career, and they're continuing to hang out with each other for something that doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Right. That's just my my two cents on that. Um. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, you know, it's interesting that they're making the match. I, I had suggested this a few weeks ago. The possibility of uh, one of the uh, NXT Divas, in this case Charlotte, right. getting it like the day before Nikki yeah. And I had brought that up, and I had kind of written it off because if you were going to go that route, then you would have kind of rammed it down our throats that Nikki I, was a heel. Yeah, I would have thought that you would have made a bigger deal out of that in the last couple of weeks, too. I think to suddenly one week beforehand say, well, yeah, I think that's a bit... But knowing WWE, it's well, quite possible. And they're still doing the stupid team thing. Right. There is there's less of a purpose to the teams than there was before. Right. At least there was a match right. at one point, right? Where right. Like, you want to be on the winning team. You want, and, and the winning team, for, to, to WWE's credit, I, people are, are now complaining that Sasha wasn't in the, the last well, they, week's they the They deserve to give it to the winning team. Right, exactly. 100%. For, for, for once, a, a winner in a match mattered. Right. So I, I'm not going to complain they, about that at they all. They should have made that clear beforehand. But, but you know. Whatever. Fine. They, they, they fine. retroactively made it mean something, least, which is fine. At least they, when they screwed up, um, they, they did a good job. I mean, of my, my guess is that there's some sort of schmaz ending on Raw. And oh, it's got to Char- involve Paige, right? It's got to involve Paige no, turning. It, it, no, because I think what they could do is just kind of have a DQ finish, and then Charlotte beats her at Night of Champions. Maybe, but I think that it's. I think that you I, got I, it. I, I think you I, had better be building somewhere with Paige. Well, and I think they, I think after Charlotte, Paige cannot the, just no, be I, a I, cheerleader. No, Char- Charlotte winning the title triggers it. Triggers the right, I, I hope you're right. I, I think that's the. I, I think that makes a lot more sense than Paige helping Nikki retain the title. Did you think at all in the backstage segment? It was very good with the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. Did you think at all? I have always thought, and you, obviously Edge couldn't be involved. That the best way this ends is with one more TLC match, and it's Christian and like Rob Van Dam or somebody. We, we, that I mean, for, for we, we, we don't know if Christian can go. Oh, we don't. Care. I mean, we. I mean, he has so many concussion issues that. I mean, that's the reason. But I've never heard him say he could never wrestle. And and that's the thing; he hasn't. But we don't know if he's medically cleared. To be fair, like, but that's. I I, I agree. I I thought that they might be going somewhere. I just got that moment again in the back. And and for all we know, we could be seeing. um, I mean, it wouldn't terribly suck if it was New Day, Dudley's primetime players, TLC at some point. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same, but it would. You know, that segment you can kind of trigger on. and You know, anything with the Dudleys you can kind of turn into a TLC oh, pretty sure. easily. Um, so I, I don't, you know, with Christian we just don't know. Did you include the Bubba stuff in the, the three count for this week or the quick count for this week? 
Uh, I did not. All right, maybe we need to think about yeah, it. Yeah, well, because well, there's, it's interesting. Um, any, anything else from Raw? Um, God, well, I don't even remember what else happened. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of touched on it. This is my it. problem with the mid card. The mid card is all no, so, I, you know, I, I kind of touched on it. It's interesting that they chose to use Sting in that way when it was very much the Sting we saw in T- TNA as opposed to the Sting right. we saw in, uh, WCW or WWE to this point. Uh, I question why they did it. Uh, the only thing I could really think of is if, I really wonder, and it makes me a question why how we're supposed to believe that Seth Rollins is the heel. Well, that too. He had his statue <laughs> stolen from him and destroyed. Uh, He's got to face but, two different people. Was, it just was that a really unsturdy statue that yeah, yeah, crushed that? I mean, right. um, but um, well, none of them are actually statues to begin with, right? Well, uh, like even even the big ones. Even oh, like the Bruno I, I, I've and, never I've never touched. Well, them, they so take them around. They they can't be statues and just have them show up at various live events. Well, they don't really have them at live. Yeah, they do. They take them to Access every year. They take well, them. Well, Access to... is you know. Dude, they're n- you are not gonna go bring up an actual statue and drag it around to live events. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I'm sure. Let's put it this way. I think the re- the real statues are a lot more real than this I, one was. I, I think that we have actually heard before that they're not like the same as your typical statues. Well, no, they're, I doubt they're exactly the same, yeah, but they're, they're not made of they plywood are, as this well, one yeah, seemed okay, to be fine. made of. It's not going to be made of plywood, you're right. <laughs> but, but anyway, going, going back to Sting, this uh, this was very much the Sting we had seen in TNA, where it retains aspect of the, the Crow Sting, but has this weird, you know, playfulness almost to him. Right. Um, and I wonder why they went that route. It, it could be simple as they were bored. Well, I think and they it's wanted easier to talk for them more. with a face. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's easier to have your face be playful than it is to have them. I, be I also dark. wonder it. It, and this might just be kind of wishful thinking on my part. I wonder if he's going to be around a little bit more often. Like we, I think. Most people assume that he's going to be gone I, after September and then return oh, no, again I, in January or February. Oh, no, I thought he was this. I remember I thought this was setting up the Survivor Series somehow. Oh, okay. And in that case, yeah. then it makes more sense to have a more playful, more outgoing, right. more right. interactive Sting. Right. So it, it'll be interesting to see where they go from uh, with Sting from here. Um, I, I will say this though: this goes back to the heel and face thing. That again, everything about this—if you just presented Wrestler X. Owned a, owned something, personal property. Right. It was stolen oh, and destroyed by Wrestler Y. Wrestler Y and Wrestler Z are in some sort of weird, like, friendship because Wrestler Z is also making him defend another title. He's got to face two matches in the same night. Who's the face and who's the heel? Well, unfortunately, that's been a all-too-common trope of wrestling I'm since very, the dawn of time. I'm very aware. Yes. It just doesn't No, I agree with you, but it's, I mean, at this point, it's, it's, no, Seth Rollins is the heel because we've told you he's the heel. Right. So now it doesn't matter what these guys do. We've said he's the heel. And um, to cap it off, New Day, amazing. Xavier, well, of course. I, mean, I, I don't know if it caught on TV. Just Xavier Woods sometimes trying to pull the trombone up to his lips and just bursting out laughing. And he couldn't oh, play really? trombone. Oh, because tremendous. And, and then the, the whole TMZ nonsense is just the oh, worst. Oh, my God. I, I didn't think you could top. Like, you know, like. Yeah. I don't know if it was last time. But no, last year when they were in Baltimore, we got Jerry Springer with the Bellas. Right. They somehow topped that. It is so bad. It's but so uh, bad. I, I don't want to give it any time. So yeah, let, yeah, let's yeah. move on. Why don't we grab a break? Sounds good. Why don't we do that? Uh, when we come back in, we're going to talk about the 20th anniversary of the beginning of WCW Monday Nitro. Um, and I will admit that – we'll talk about it. We'll just talk about it yeah. when we come back in. Uh, I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster. This is Jobbing Out. Need to get some cash? No problem. Head to Royal Farms, step up to the ATM, and... Get your cash for nothing, cause there is no fee. 
Yep, that's the way we do it at Royal Farms. Some retailers charge to use their ATMs. We don't. Our ATMs are surcharge free, so you can always get cash for nothing because there is no fee. At all Royal Farms ATMs, individual cardholder fees may still apply. At Smythe Jewelers, we celebrate how big love can be. When your love for her is so big that you can't even begin to describe it, there's only one thing to do. Take her to Smythe Jewelers, the biggest jewelry store on the East Coast. At Smythe, you'll find the biggest selection and the biggest savings. Because at Smythe, we work directly with the diamond cutters. So we can help you find a diamond that's as big as your love. And that's why Smythe is where Marilyn gets engaged. Smythe Jewelers in Timonium, Ellicott City, in Annapolis. Don't be the guy that has to call your mother-in-law like I've had to in the past and beg for a ride when something's wrong with your vehicle. Take it to First Choice Automotive in Joppa. 410-676-5552. Dave and Chrissy know your car is your life. Free loaner cars with major repairs. Free towing to and from at First Choice Automotive. 410-676-5552 on the web. FCAutomotive.com. Get more than the score on a 50-word blog. Go to PressBoxOnline.com for the complete story on your favorite Baltimore and D.C. sports. High school to pros. Wrestling fans, it's time for WrestleCrate. WrestleCrate is a pro-wrestling-themed mystery package that appears in your mailbox every month with action figures, pop vinyls, DVDs, wrestling books, fatheads, and much, much more. Plans start at only $15 a month, and every crate contains a T-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com or BarbershopWindow.com. Those T-shirts are $19.99 by themselves. Check them out at WrestleCrate.com and follow them on Twitter, at WrestleCrates, and search WrestleCrate on Facebook. Back in here, segment number two, it is Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster with you, all brought to you by WrestleCrate. Don't forget, still to come, Diamond Dallas Page joins the program in segment number three. So, Aaron, you pointed out something to me this week that I didn't, I was not aware of. Um, and I, I would admit to you, when you said it was the 20th anniversary of the first ever WCW Nitro, I said to myself, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. But I didn't have, like, emotional feelings about it. I didn't have, like, a, oh, I remember my favorite moments in Nitro history. It was more like a, yeah, that, that existed for a little while. Like, that was, that was a thing, and it was significant within the world of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my thing. Right. I was never more WCW than WWF. I was always in my life more – again, you know, my story was I was a fan as a child – then I kind of disappeared for a little while, and around high school I came back. Right. And by the time I came back, WCW was kind of on the downswing, and I would tune in every now and then for the first hour of Nitro because it, you know, started at eight and raw right. didn't start till nine. But I wasn't invested in it. I never needed to watch a WCW pay per view. I actually do think I poked over at Thunder a time or two just right. because it was on. Right. Um. 
See, I, 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 I'm the opposite. I was very much, I'm a few years younger than you. I, I yeah. was very much, when I started, I, I kinda, you know, I, in the early 90s, I, I knew what was happening. I kind of was aware of it. My dad would watch it. But it wasn't until really around the Monday Night Wars that I really started becoming a huge fan, making it in every, uh, you know, every Monday night I would plop down. I would watch with my dad. And because of that, you know, that, that 8 to 9 thing was a big thing for me because, you know, that was uninterrupted. And then from 9 to 10, I'd usually flip back and forth and then, you know, half the time I would have to go to bed before 11 anyways because a little school night and all that stuff. But, um, so I was very invested in WCW. It was really, it was WCW that first hour, especially the cruiserweight division that I feel really captured my attention when it came to wrestling, uh, when it first started. The, the, the luchadors, just the yeah. various cruiserweights, yeah, yeah. not just the luchadors, but also like the Dean Malenkos and the Chris Benoit's and then the TV title runway with Benoit and Booker T. And, and the, the, really the undercard and the midcard of WCW was what really drew my attention and brought me in. And eventually by, Oh, you know, the end of 98, I had fully jumped on board on WWF. But there was a while there where I was I, – if I had to raise my flag for one company, it was probably WCW. My, my first ever live event was a WCW house show uh, huh. at the Patriots huh. Center. Um, so th- there was a, a time there that uh, I was a bigger WCW fan than WWF. That quickly changed because I caught – you know, I really started becoming invested towards the tail end of everything. But – um I've since gone back, you know, with the network now, I am plowing through all of the, you know, they have right. all the nitros from the first one until I believe the end of 97 at this point. I'm, I'm, I think I'm in February 1997 right now, but over the past six months, I've watched basically every nitro between uh, September 95 and February 97. So I'm catching up on it and I'm, you know, I'm seeing the good, I'm seeing the bad when it came to, you know, early 96 and stuff, but, um, that first Nitro was, it, it was, it's fascinating the way it went down, and it's fascinating that it really, it set the stage for what Nitro would become, and it, it really set the stage, what makes it different, uh, what makes it kind of the same at WWE, because a lot of people, kind of, when they're talking about WCW, they, they start with Nitro, which is fair, that's when it was on, you know, when right. it, it was biggest. Not, uh, WCW obviously was around before, both with the NWA and then without the, w, the NWA, and it was always... It was a funny thing because they could never quite figure out what they were. They were, you know, there was the NWA influence. There was the Southern Wrestling influence, which was big. Of course, the Four Horsemen were there. Sting was there. You know, they had some good wrestling. But then there was, and it partially had to do with who was booking at the time. They seemed to want to be WWF, uh, a version of WWF. You saw some really terrible things. You saw RoboCop team with Sting right, against the Four right. Horsemen. You saw, yeah, you know, with uh, Cactus Jack the Amnesia angle with oh, them. Right. You saw some of these pay-per-views that the spin the wheel, make the deal with the just ridiculous movie vignettes. Um, and, and so WWE didn't really have an identity, and I feel like that started to change. When Bischoff took over, when Nitro started, and it showed a lot in that first one-hour episode of Nitro, which uh, it really did change everything. Because a, it was the you know it went head to head with Raw, so that in yeah. itself, that yeah, anyone had massive, the, right. anyone had the balls to go head to head with WWF was huge. Uh, you know they did a great job choosing. They were like, okay, that Labor Day de- Raw's not on the air. It was preemptive or something. We're going to do this. First thing you saw was the Mall of America. You know, a ring set up in the mall. It must and, have been for the U.S. Open. Remember the Raw used yes, to get preempted yes. and, and for that's, that's exactly the US what it was. Open. It was yeah. the U.S. Open. It was the Mall of America. It was an entirely different look right off the bat. You're like, whoa, this is in the middle of, uh, that feels in the middle of the food court or something like that. It was. Oh, yeah. So, so it's this very different look. And 
you know, they invited you in. The first match you saw, and, and this was, I, I think, really one of those things that showed what WCW could be. The first match ever on Nitro was Fry, Flying Brian Pillman okay. against Jushin Liger. Like, that set the stage right there. Hey, th- this yeah, is what some we wrestling, can be. Right, yeah. This is wrestling. This is a foreign, you know, A, it's a foreign wrestler, which is obviously very different from anything that WWF was uh, providing at the time. You know, they were very much into the, A, Raw's not necessarily that big of a deal. Raw is more of a precursor to all the pay-per-views than actual, like, storyline. And it was, you know, a lot of squash matches, not necessarily a lot of great matches on Raw before the Monday Night Warriors started. So you started right off the bat with that. And that was great. Uh, you then, I'm trying to think if there were more than three matches, but there were three matches I can definitively remember. There was then, for the U.S. title, Sting vs. Ric Flair. Doesn't suck. That doesn't suck at all. That doesn't suck at all. So you get your old audience in there to say, hey, this is what we have. This is what we have been known for. Sting Ric Flair. Then you had uh, Hulk Hogan with Big Bubba, which was the former Big Boss Man, and Lex Luger shows up. The other thing that, that made this big, it was live. Yeah. That was yeah. the, that, that was the yeah, other thing. Yeah, right. It was live. No one had any idea that Lex Luger was showing up. Lex Luger popping up there. So so in, in one hour, that, that one first hour, you saw a lot of what WCW would become. It has the, the mid-card, the, the high-flying, the fast-paced action. It has the, the old wrestler, the old guard. And then it has what eventually came back to bite them. The, the surprise and the look to let's get these big names in right, here. Right, right. So you had almost the full gauntlet in that first one-hour show of what Nitro would become. And, of course, Nitro became, in large part because of the NWO and because of a lot of good things, became a phenomenon. Of course. But it was that last bit, that Lex Luger showing up, the, the focus on Hulk Hogan and the former WWF guys – that sunk it in the end. You know, well. it's funny you bring that up because there was an obsession with let's get sort of stars at all costs. Yes. You know, whatever it takes, we're going to get these guys in. Do you remember and who the first guy who, who defend it, when the NWO came about, the first guy right. who, was, who was posed as a legitimate threat to Hulk Hogan was and who was, you know, trying to take down the NWO? No. It was Roddy Piper, who had nothing to do with WCW. That's right. That's right. They just brought him in. They they brought him in, and and to be fair, people loved it at the time. Oh, you know, they wanted right. to Roddy see Piper. Yeah, they, they wanted to see Piper Hogan. They could both still go to a degree. They, those were some of his better matches, actually. Uh, there there were a couple really bad ones in there, but there were a few good ones as well. But at at that point, you know, looking back on it with hindsight, you kind of see, huh? Yeah, this we, is. We we should have realized that there was. There was literally there was a problem here because well, while we all love the cruiser yeah, of the mid card, they, right. they built up the Benoits, the Malencos, the Rey Mysterios, but, but the Jericho. When you say that, they didn't build those guys into stars, right? They and that was always guys, the problem. And that's their issue was not. It wasn't as much that they had to bring in the stars because look, WWE brought in stars all the time. They just brought back Sting recently, and they're letting a fifty-seven-year-old wrestle for their championship. And, and, and we're going to they, get to that they, in a minute. They here. make mistakes, but the problem is they had always what WWE has always done is turn their own guy into legitimate stars right that their guys while maybe some of them over the years were were you know flirted with other promotions or had a moment for the most part their biggest stars were their guys mm-hmm. now yes uh you know stone cold obviously had a run in, in wcw but he was i mean he was low enough that he but that's the thing yeah. you don't think of him as a wcw guy you know, they, they weren't bringing in 
they were bringing in Sting to all of a sudden. Right. Bill Goldberg had a run in WWE, but was never. It wasn't. Let's go get that guy to be our top guy for the next five right. years. Their guys, the guys that were at the top of the card, were typically their own guys or guys that never reached stardom somewhere else. So that their star, again, Chris Jericho was definitely a WCW guy, but you don't think of him as a WCW guy because his star was in the WWE. That uh, there, the, you know, Kurt Angle was only ever the WWE. The you know, the the Rock was a WWE guy. That those guys, their right. biggest stars, were primarily their own guys. Whereas WCW only produced a couple of those guys in their history. And 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 when they did, it was usually to feed it to these guys who were big elsewhere. I mean, if you look at it, people praise uh, WCW. You know, like the the uh, you know. And uh, you talk about the Sting Hogan, which was, you know, one of the best storylines in the, you know, it was perfectly timed. It was done well. But what was the eventual result is that Hogan went over. Right. You know, the, the, and, and that was the beginning of the end. You know, the end of 97 there. Yeah, they had the run with Goldberg. Yeah, you know, they had the run with 98, which was still good. But Starcade 97 was really the moment where you're just like, oh, no. They, they've gotten in right. too deep with the NWO and they don't know how to get out of it. Like right. when, when they, you know. It was the most obvious storyline in the history of wrestling. As Sting finally overcomes and win it, wins it, and when he didn't win it there, it's sort of like, where do you go now? Like, uh, you what, know, what's the? It, it would have been like Daniel Bryan not winning at WrestleMania, winning two months later at Payback, and right. everybody going like, "Hey, it's okay. Yeah, it, no. it happened anyway, right? Like, yeah. it, it, it kind of mattered." No, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that ultimately the story of Nitro is their failings. They, their their stars were the guys they produced were who Goldberg, Booker, Sting. Uh, DDP? Yeah, DDP was definitely. Uh, I mean, but that's it, right? Like, uh, I mean, it, do you want to count Flair? No, because I think that. I mean, if you're, well, ca- I, I, you're saying NW, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're counting Sting, okay, then you that's gotta fine. Count. No, that's fine. No, I agree, right. and that's fine. Um, you you could make a case they made Hall and Nash bigger than what they, they were, were before. Bigger, but it wasn't as if that's not to me the same as what the WWE did with some of their. Right. No, I mean they they weren't taking Jean Pierre Latif right. and turning him into Triple H. Correct. Um, that to me was two guys that were very established, not, you know. Right. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe there's a Jericho comparison, maybe, or a Benoit comparison between them. I mean, them. I, I can say you, they made them into bigger stars, good for them, but I mean, they came out as basically WWF invaders. Right. Like correct. that, and, and the that lawsuit. Their identity, right. I mean, that was the lawsuit there that they were basically saying they came from WWF, even though, and then the courts found WWF's favor, which eventually led them to buy the company. Right, correct. Um, you know, so it's funny, you know, we, we think about, especially the later Nitros, with such derision, and for good reason, but there was always the good there. It's really funny that there was always that, no matter what happened, there was always enough talent there that you can go back to a pay-per-view, a 2000-era WCW pay-per-view now, you can almost always get one or two good matches on it in that undercard. There, there was never a problem with the wrestling when it came. I agree with that. It, it was always the booking decision. It was always, you know, as much, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, potential praise for Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan for the contracts they got, the guarantee, the creative control. But that was also what did WCW in at the end was the fact that they felt the need. They felt they had to. And in some case they, cases, they legally had to. Keep these guys at the very top of the card no matter what happened. And, you know, eventually you get tired of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what happened. It was total burnout at the end of it. And, again, the the, the major mistakes they made 
the you know the David Arquette thing. The they had too many right massive blunders you know, at the they, end. They, they, WWE will bring Stephen Amell in, but he's not winning the title. Correct. Correct. Yeah, they, they, and he can give him a match, but no, not a championship match, not at all. Um, I, I get it. I think that it's the bigger story is that it gave wrestling fans an option, and I think that's what we've been talking about recently. Not just fans; it gave wrestlers an option, okay, and that's sure. and that that's something that I feel goes very overlooked right now because. Right. You you go back to WCW. There was always the threat that you would jump. There was always the threat, you, and it would make you. It, it would make them get more creative. Yep. Uh, it would because the wrestlers could present their ideas, and if they got shut down, they could be like, "Okay, I don't like this work environment. I'm going to jump ship." It, it, I think a big reason why it's so stale now is because wrestlers can't say to Vince McMahon, "You're not can't going anywhere." Right. Dunn, you know, I don't want. I, I I have this great idea. I have this amazing idea. And if they shut him down, there's nothing you can do. Correct. That's just the end of it. Yep. That's just the end of it. No, I agree. But I do think that it mattered for fans, too. Oh, absolutely. I've been so in favor of the Wednesday night stuff that's happened recently is because the best thing for fans is there to be more options because it starts with what you get from the companies. From the companies, it demands more from them for the wrestlers, for creative. But it also gives you the option of saying, I just don't really like this right now, but I do like this. Mm -hmm. If you really don't like what the WWE is doing right now, but you really love Lucha Underground, go watch Lucha Mm -hmm. Underground. Go support them with your dollars and go... Uh, do go that route and just say, hey, look, it's not – I'm not going to be beholden to because I've been a fan of you for a long time. I have to always be a fan of you. Right. That you are allowed to say, I just don't like it at the moment. And I think that's what WCW provided at the highest level. It's the only time in our lives we ever had a true highest level competition to the WWE. Yes. And I think that's what's missing now. That Absolutely. I'm not necessarily saying that I want another show on Monday nights, that I miss Nitro existing on Monday I, nights. I, I miss Impact being good on Thursdays. I would settle for that. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd settle for there, there some... was a period in 08 where you, you legitimately thought, hey, Impact's getting really good right now. It's starting to gain momentum, Christian and all that stuff. This could be not not necessarily a threat, but an alternative, a legitimate alternative. But, of course, TNA fell into the same pitfalls that WCW short-term gain – Without any long-term real planning, long-term yeah. building, yeah. and and the the difference, really, the only difference between WCW and TNA is the peak. Like you look down their paths, they tried a lot of the same things that WCW did, and in some cases they succeeded pretty well. You know, no one's ever questioned W or TNA's wrestling, just like no one ever questioned WCW's wrestling and and the roster there. You know, TNA usually has pretty good wrestling on a weekly basis. It's just the booking and the fact that the same guys were on top forever and ever, and obviously when Hogan came back, it was just the same old nonsense of he's on top and his buddies are on top and everything like that. And and after that, people were just, you know, weren't willing to give TNA a chance again. So So really the big difference there is just WCW had that peak, had that real spark with the NWO, and TNA didn't. It's interesting. I mean, that's really interesting. Uh, you're right. Um, I, if we nitpicked, we could probably pick that up. Oh, part I, of it, but I, 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 that, that's a very yeah, broad. I, look I at hear it. what you're saying, and it's it's there's there's truth there. I mean, there's truth to the idea that that's exactly that they never they had the same concepts. They just never reached that point. And 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 truthfully, what you're talking about, their pitfalls are very similar. TNA was obsessed with give me stars and let me let Hulk Hogan have all of the power mm-hmm. and. You just can't do it that way. Right. It will not. It will not work. And that's not to say that Vince McMahon has done everything perfectly, because God no. knows he has I not. Mean, and, and you talk about them bringing uh, 
you know, not necessarily pushing the guys from the mid card all the way to the top. That's something that WWE is falling into right now. And, and it's something that the, the one comparison, if, if I'm looking back what WWE right now can learn from WCW's mistake is that you have to be willing to take some risk to change things up. I think the best thing that ever happened to WWE during the Monday Night Wars yeah. was Austin having to have surgery and going out for a year. They were forced to, to change their yeah. to, and to change it up a little bit, not yeah, let yeah. anything get too stale. Because I, I would argue 2000 for WWF was the best year in the company's history, at least from a storyline standpoint. You didn't have Austin, so you had to you had to create a new main eventer in Triple H. Triple H was not, you know, there there was questions whether he was a credible Absolutely. main eventer. To Absolutely, that point. you had to have Foley. You had to push the Rock to the very very yep. tippy top of the company. You were forced to do that because Austin, who was your cash cow, was out. You know, with WCW, they never got around to pushing anything besides the NWO. For the most part. And, you know, even when they went away from it, they would eventually come back to it, whether or not they called it the NWO, NWO A-Team, NWO Wolfpack, the right. Millionaire's Club later on. Like, it was all just a retread which, of which the Which one NWO. was the one that had Steiner and the Harris Boys and Jeff Jarrett? That was NWO 2000. Okay. Or was that the million? No, I think that was NWO 2000. Whew, that one was a rough the, the one. The black and silver or whatever. Yeah, that was a rough one. Yeah. That was real rough. Interesting. I Look, I you know, I, I am not um, – I don't pine after the WCW at, in any way, but mm-hmm. I do think that it is it's it is worth remembering. It has a major place in wrestling Yeah, and history. how much better things were at the time than, than really current, the way they are currently in mm-hmm. terms of competition yep. more than anything else and options. All right, uh, let's talk to somebody about the WCW, right? Let's do that next. Diamond Dallas Page will join the show in our third segment. Plus, we'll uh, go over some of the other stories we haven't had a chance to talk about just yet. And uh, we'll get a top five. Do we have a topic for this week's top five yet? We'll come up with one. All right, will we? All right, we'll grab a break, come back in. It is Jobbing Out. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster. Need to get some cash? No problem. Head to Royal Farms, step up to the ATM, and get your cash for nothing because there is no fee. Surcharge free ATM use. That's the way we do it at Royal Farms. Some retailers charge you to use their ATMs. They make you spend money just to get your money. We don't. At Royal Farms, you can come in anytime, day or night. Walk over to our ATM, take out your bank or credit card, and in just a few seconds, get your cash for nothing because it's surcharge free. Individual cardholder fees may still apply for using a Royal Farms ATM, but we won't charge you. So the next time you want to get cash at an ATM, come to Royal Farms. Because this is how we do it. Get your cash for nothing because there is no fee. Cash for nothing because there is no fee. At Smythe Jewelers, we celebrate how big love can be. When your love for her is so big that you can't even begin to describe it, there's only one thing to do. Take her to Smythe Jewelers, the biggest jewelry store on the East Coast. At Smythe, you'll find the biggest selection and the biggest savings. Because at Smythe, we work directly with the diamond cutters. So we can help you find a diamond that's as big as your love. And that's why Smythe 
is where Marilyn gets engaged. Smythe Jewelers in Timonium, Ellicott City, and Annapolis. Wrestling fans, it's time for WrestleCrate. WrestleCrate is a pro-wrestling-themed mystery package that appears in your mailbox every month with action figures, pop vinyls, DVDs, wrestling books, fat heads, and much, much more. Plans start at only $15 a month, and every crate contains a T-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com or BarbershopWindow.com. Those T-shirts are $19.99 by themselves. Check them out at WrestleCrate.com and follow them on Twitter, at WrestleCrates, and search WrestleCrate on Facebook. Get more than the score on a 50-word blog. Go to PressBoxOnline.com for the complete story on your favorite Baltimore and D.C. sports. High school to pros. Yo, it's me. It's me. It's DDP. Back in here, segment number three, it is Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And a pleasure now to be joined by a dude that I have talked to a few times in the past and have been a fan of for a very long time. And as we said at the start of the show, someone whose accomplishments post-wrestling career stand even more significantly than what he did during his career in the ring. He is the great Diamond Dallas Page, and he joins us now here on Jobbing Out. DDP, it's Glenn and Aaron back here in the uh, Mid-Atlantic. Thank you so much for taking the time for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, buddy. Appreciate you getting in touch with me. Absolutely, man. For you know, I, I saw you this week talking all about the Performance Center, and I was like, this is amazing. Because I remember when you launched DDP Yoga, and we talked a couple times about it, but to see this journey get to the point where you've now launched your own Performance Center for DDP Yoga, that's got to be unbelievable for you. Well, you know, Steve Austin was here last night. Uh, his podcast is up now um, on, uh, on Steve Austin podcast. He was blown away. I mean, he expected to see, like, you know, maybe I rented a you know fifteen hundred square foot building and turned it into a workout place. I've built a sixty three hundred square foot <laughs> corporate headquarters that houses all of our business, administration, boardroom, but we're, we're really a production studio more than anything because we film everything. We have five edit bays, a TriCaster that makes it like our own station. Uh, we're about to drop the DDP uh, Yoga Now interactive app. It's a subscription base, uh, and we built the soundstage performance area where we've got you know, I could fit 60 people working out with me. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff from the stage, like I did with my original DVD series, with my workouts. But we're also going to be doing live workouts. We're going to be doing DDP yoga for kids, DDP yoga for seniors. I've got a 30-foot green screen that's 18 feet high, and we lay stuff on the ground. It comes out 20 feet. I've got a kitchen that is second to none to do our cooking shows, showing people how to eat real food. When Steve Austin walked in here yesterday, I was like, no, get out, get out. He goes, no, dude, what? I didn't expect to see this. (laughs) I want to film you walking through here. Let's go eat first. So we went down to my favorite barbecue place down the road, Ebony and Ivory, and then uh, had some barbecue and came back. And when he, he interviewed Jake 
for his podcast. He ordered, uh, um, he uh, interviewed uh, Scott Hall for his podcast, and he interviewed me. It was, uh, you know, it was a great, you know, two days with Steve here, and we blew him away with the DDP Yoga Performance Center, which is in Smyrna, actually, where uh, Julia Roberts was born, which is a little suburb on, on the outside of Atlanta. That's so awesome. And people can find out more by going to ddpyogapc.com. But it, it's incredible, and it, and it sort of leads naturally into – I didn't know that you guys had done a documentary with uh, with Jake, and, I, and I'll tell you, I think everybody's familiar with the story um, from when Jake went into the Hall of Fame. I think it's been well documented that he came to live with you and how you really turned his life around. But I got a copy of the documentary last night, and I've only been able to get, because of my other show, I've only been able to get 45 minutes through it to this point. And, dude, there have been about five times where I've had to stop and say, holy crap. Like, I cannot <laughs> believe... You know, just seeing where he was and how yeah. awful. I had forgotten about the thing that happened in Ohio those years back, and like rewatching that, I, I just cringed. Like it made me sick seeing that. And to go from there to where I'm now looking at your website and seeing pictures of him leading classes, like it's unbelievable what you guys have done with Jake. Yeah, Jake is you know. It was a passion of mine because I never forget anybody who helps me. Never. I, they, they, I always say without Dusty Rhodes, there is no Diamond Dallas Page. You know, he gave me every break that ever meant anything early on in my career, but without Jake the Snake Roberts, I never um, grasp what it takes to really be a main event guy. I'm certainly never a three-time world champion you know, without the guidance of Jake through my career and my matches, uh, even some of my interviews. And, uh, you know, I wanted to always pay him back. And uh, I helped him out a bunch of times. I was making stupid money. But, you know, I, I really wanted to – I knew how bad he was. I knew he didn't want to live. I mean, you see him in the beginning. I mean, he he's pissed off if he finds out another one of the boys died because it's not him. Like, that's how much – but he wouldn't kill himself. He's trying to by just – destroying himself with, you know, booze and pills and coke and crack, you know, and he's trying to, but at the same time, he didn't want to kill himself because he's got eight kids, and he's already done enough to them. You know, he had no relationship with any of his kids. You know, they'd all, like, they'd give it up on him, and understandably why, and understandably so, you know. Uh, but today, Jake, his daughter, Cody, is his right-hand woman. Uh, she is his business manager. She's amazing. She has a relationship with her dad she didn't think was possible. Um, five of her other, uh, four of her other siblings, the other ones are, are still too young to, uh, to get to that spot because, you know, they, they, don't, they only know what they've heard. They don't even know their dad. But he's trying so hard, you know, to, to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to, you know, right now Jake Roberts is about inspiring people to not give up on themselves. Like, it's not too late. Because if anybody was too late, and you could see it in the beginning of that Yeah, movie, no doubt. And that's why when we filmed this, guys, I walked into the kitchen, and you'll see I was making breakfast for us, and, and my um, director, Steve Yu, says, so what do you think? And, man, I think this is going to – I don't even know. I mean, like, <laughs> I thought we were screwed because I, I, I didn't – Jake's not known for his work ethic. You know, in a match, in a, in, a, in, a, in a, when he's, was he's, 
in his prime. He had the greatest work ethic on the planet in the ring, you know. But, um, you know, he just wasn't a guy who worked out and, you know, ate well. So I had to, like, change. And it just he did all the work. I just had to guide him in the right direction. And as you can see through, you know, the resurrection of Jake State, the, the documentary, uh, which will be in Baltimore, as a matter of fact, on October 3rd, anybody who wants to know about uh, the movie, go to jakethesnakemovie.com, and it'll show you what city we're coming to. Uh, it'll, uh, it'll, it, you, you'll get on our mailing list, uh, for when the VOD comes out, for when the DVD comes out. Cause this, this director, Steve Yu, he made it 93 minutes and tells the best story. It, it's a rocky story. It's a feel good story. It's the best story on the, you know, that anybody could ever hope and dream for because it's got everything in it. And how it was at nine hours was beyond me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, it's it's powerful, man. I'm telling you, I you know I I got and I'm sort of like, oh, okay, I remember the story, but I I had no idea how much you guys had everything in there, like that him getting you know drunk at the airport and I ugh, dude, I I am blown away by by everything you've done with Jake. It's incredible. I'm glad you pointed out JakeTheSnakeMovie.com, and again October third, right in uh, Baltimore, and Jake's gonna be there for that one, right? Yes, he will actually be. Um, we, actually, because Scott Hall and I will be in New York over that period, because, you know, the movies, like, it's amazing. When you have a documentary, like today, you don't get your documentary in these movie houses for more than one, one show. And they, they line it up with the director and whoever the cast members are, and, and they do Q&As, but they don't really play it more than once or twice, you know, and that's that. To get a week long with some of these theaters, like, you know, some of these uh, cool, uh, you know, theaters that play in independent movies, uh, it was really a struggle. But because we were in variety, because this is a Slam Dance Presents. Slam Dance is one of the top um, film festivals in our country, in the world, actually. And they're out of Park City, Salt Lake. Uh, they do it at the same time Sundance does. And um, they, we didn't win the Slam Dance Film Festival, but you might as well say we did, because we are the first and only film that Slam Dance has gone out with, as Slam Dance presents. It got us an amazing write-up in Variety. Everywhere we go, we're getting these amazing reviews. We're going to be in Tampa, Dallas, Texas. We're going to be in Philly, in Yonkers. We're in Manhattan. We are in downtown, or I should say midtown Manhattan, at an AMC theater for a week. That's unheard awesome. of for AMC, to play a documentary for a week. We also got L.A. We're out there for a week in Culver City, which is one of those suburbs in L.A. We're in um, Dallas, Texas, for a week down there. So, uh, you know, the movie is getting legs. People are talking about it. Of course, there's going to be a lot of people who can't get to the theater that's actually an afternoon showing. I think it's a one o'clock showing. It is, but yeah. People are still going to want to see it, and that's where the VOD, the video on demand, will probably come in December. And um, at that point, you know, it's just going to go everywhere. And then we're going to also put our DVD up as well, as well, because we have so much behind the scenes that we couldn't put all in there that we're putting into this. That's really an amazing. 
it's an amazing journey. Let me say this real quick, and I don't need to show for you anymore, and we definitely want to talk some wrestling too, but it's at the Charles, which is an, a gorgeous theater in Baltimore for anybody that's never been there. It, for the screening, it's just seven fifty for a ticket. That's it. It's seven fifty for a ticket on Saturday the 3rd, and then afterwards there's going to be a Q&A and uh, photo ops and autographs with Jake. That's unbelievable. Again, find out more by going to jakethesnakemovie.com. He is Diamond Dallas Page, and he joins us here on uh, Jobbing Out. Uh, we had a anniversary this past weekend, and we talked about this earlier on the show, and that's the 20th anniversary of the start of Nitro. And uh, obviously you were around then. When you first heard that WCW was getting a Monday show, a Monday live show, did, do you remember what your reaction was and if you thought it would work? Absolutely. And, you know, um, I was probably the first to know. And so I went to Eric Bishop and it was Ted Turner's idea to do it. And I was like, like to Eric, like, what, what do you mean? We're going to go head to head. Why don't we do Tuesday? <laughs> why, why would we want to go head to head? Now, you have to really know the ratings back then, and I do. I mean, back then, because uh, ratings were such a huge part of our business and our, and our lives, day-to-day lives, you know, the WWE was going a 2-9 to maybe a 3-3. That was their, I'm thinking, what are we going to do? Like, get one of their, you know, 2-9 and they do a 1-9. We do a 1 or a point one, you know, 1. You know, like, how's what's going to happen here? And what ended up happening is the first week was like, I think we did like a 2-1 and they did like a 2-7. And it was like, whoa, that adds up to four. <laughs> and then it would just, you know, we won one. I, I'm not, I'll never forget the first time we won one. You know, then they would win a couple. Then we'd win one. Then they'd win a couple. Then we'd win two. And then they'd win two. And then it would just become that back and forth thing. And it was crazy, man. But when it really took off, you know, when it really, like in 1997, took off and we started to win continually, my career blew up crazy. You know, because I was headlining with Macho Man, and out of the 12 pay-per-views, three of them, me and Macho were on top. You know, it it was like crazy, uh, you know, every Monday night. Then they went to Thursday night, which added even more, you know, exposure on television. But the Monday Nitro, when it really started to explode, for my career to be in the middle of all that was just, you know, if I could have, like, sat down and said, okay, here's what I'd love my career to be. I mean, a guy who starts at 22, but it doesn't work out and basically loses the dream, it's over, and then comes back as 31 as a manager, and five years or four years later, I mean, WCW, not just manager, but wrestling, at 35 and a half, everybody's like, oh, God, he's out of his mind, he'll never be able to do this. And then at 40, that's what, I was 40 in 1996, and it had blown through the roof, and my career went right with it. It was unbelievable. Dallas, you said you knew, and that you were, the, why, why did you know? Why did you know it was going to work? Which part are we talking about? Just Nitro and Jetta, when you guys were going to launch, you said you, you know, I, I knew it was going to, why, why was that? Well, once, you know, Bischoff has been, uh, you know, he's been accused of buying, you know, players, you know, but isn't that what, you know, uh, Steinbrenner did? Had a little success with the Yankees, 
you know, you, you buy the best talent because that's what it comes down to. And once the NWO, and, and like I was a part of the whole thing about bringing Scott Hall and, and uh, Kevin Nash in to the company. And I'll never forget because, you know, think of their last names, Hall and Nash. Like those are cool names. <laughs> you know? and, and, you know, Scott had come in first. And, um, like, you know, everybody knows he's Razor Ramon. But, you know, what's the name like that? And Eric was, like, searching for it. I go, you don't have to come up with it now. That, this was something that I know I had a big piece in. Because I was like, dude, these are cool names. They were talking about calling um, uh, Kevin at one time instead of Diesel calling him Axel. And I'm like, oh. dude, this guy's so cool on his own. He don't need a name. And so when Scott came out there that first time and showed up out of nowhere and nobody knew, I knew because I was bringing, you know, being Bischoff's with Buds. And, but nobody knew. Announcers, nobody. And he walked out there and he grabbed the mic and they stopped the match and he cut this promo. You know who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like saying, you might as well said, hey, Chico, it's right <laughs> now. <laughs> Yeah, so that really, really started, you know, the thing going crazy. And then the whole, like, who's number two? Well, I knew number two was, I, you know, I knew it was going to be Nash, you know. So I know that that's going to be another monstrous, you know, jack of the ratings. And uh, those two guys, like, you want to talk about an invasion. <laughs> no one has done an invasion better than Eric Bischoff. Look at them all. Because, you know, if WWE really wanted an invasion of WCW, they would have come in there and laid everybody out, like Kevin and Scott did. They were two guys. That's it. And by the time Hogan came in, they were unstoppable. They were three guys. But it was so believable, you know, because of the fact that these were all WWE guy. So it's like, is Vince working with Turner? <laughs> I mean, that, that's real. And you, you didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And anytime professional wrestling can blur the lines, whether it's an interview, a match, um, you know, it, it's an angle. Anytime you can blur the lines, that's when people get hooked. And once they get hooked, in. Now, as, as the NWO was getting bigger, you were actually a heel at the time, and they, they were constantly making reference to you being friends with Nash and Hall and Bischoff. Was, was there ever a thought to put you in the NWO instead of using it as a uh, way to turn your face? Well, you know, this is really funny because I would get in arguments with Bischoff. Like, I know Hulk's got to be number three, even though I'm the only guy that's got a relationship with them. And I, I was almost hot enough that it might have made a little difference, but nothing would have been the impact of the Hulkster. Yeah. Nothing. He was the guy. And I know because Bischoff and I would be drinking beers at Longhorn Saloon, man. And we'd be <laughs> talking about, like, you know, Hulk sees, like, you know, these guys are the two coolest guys in professional wrestling. Like, they were the guys. Forget everybody else. Those two were the guys. And then when McMahon started doing the, the fake razor and the fake <laughs> diesel, 
that even got a Moro? <laughs> it was like, it was so beautiful. And what has happened is the booking committee at that time, well, you know, up till I finally blew up and Randy Savage said he wanted to work with me, the booking committee never believed in me, ever. So I would have to fight and scrape for everything. It didn't matter that one of my closest friends was the main guy because he wouldn't push me like that, like a nepotism thing. He just wouldn't do it. And, you know, I was the guy he could count on, though. You know, and long story short, um, when I finally, you know, was ready, I, I was so fed up before that angle. I was so fed up with WCW. I was leaving. I was already, Nash is in. That Nash I would, probably would have got me in a year or so back. But now I'm talking to Stone Cold, who's my other brother. And he's like, dude, whenever you're ready to come up here, you tell me. Wow. You know, because he would have figured he would have, I would have, I would have walked in, done, done my tryout and been locked in. And I was so close to leaving. I'll never forget we were in, uh, Char uh we were in, uh, Tattanooga. Cause it was just the way the, the buildings laid out. I remember the boiler room that me and Kevin Nash were in. And I said, listen, buddy, here's the idea. I said, if, if, if they don't want to do it, I'm, out of here you know but here's the idea i said you know no one's got a relationship like the three of us not when that's real being tag team partners you know coming up together in the business the whole deal you know, i created all scott's what you know what was that what was razor ramon was diamond stud before <laughs> it was ever razor ramon and um you know scott would do all the um the um uh, imitating Scarface in the car, you know, when we were driving. That's where all that came from. I didn't know. That's awesome. And, uh, so, um, you know, I got Scott the job. I changed his hair from blonde to black, got rid of the unbelievable fuller brush mustache he had. That's so phenomenal. Brush cut look, the five o'clock shadow. You know, I, I, I helped him there. I helped him. I, I got him the job, you know, um, for the look and everything when his wife was pregnant with Cody. You know, he's now in wrestling in Japan. And uh, Scott never forgot that. And uh, Kev, you know, when he wanted to quit a couple times, I would be like, no, don't let these SOBs, don't let them, don't let them beat you, man. You're going to be the man. F them. You got this. Don't let them win. And I, and I would build that. He, he thanked me in his Hall of Fame speech. You know, like, you know, he said, I probably owe my house in Daytona Beach to Dallas <laughs> you know, because I wasn't going to let my buddy quit. And um, so uh, when I said to Kev, listen, the idea is this. You guys come to me and you ask me to be in the NWO like you do everybody else. But I go, what? You coming to me now, like number six? You know, like, I got the greatest finish in, in the business and you want me? I don't need you. Screw you and walk off. And then they look at each other like, oh, Dowie. Like they would do in real life. Oh, Dowie. Oh, he'll get over it. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk to him again later. And then it became later. And I said, you know, then eventually you come in the ring, you give me the shirt, because I gotta take the shirt now. I take the shirt, you give me a hug, you move away. Scott goes to high five me, we shake hands, and he goes to pull away. I pull him back, bang. You come at me, I'll backdrop you over the top. He's like, oh, this is awesome. See, these guys knew they wanted someone to work with that the people would believe in and they could hear the crowd. Like they were saying, dude, you're a babyface now. Like I didn't do anything yet. And when I finally did that angle, first of all, Kevin said to me, go tell Scott 
And he goes, go tell Bischoff we're doing it. And I was like, dude, I'm not telling Bischoff. I got to talk to Scott first. He goes, dude, you don't think Scott wants to help you? You know, when you helped him get his job when his wife was pregnant? And I was like, dude, I don't care. He's taking the cutter. I got to ask him. When I asked him, he's like, awesome. I love it. Go tell Bischoff. I said, I'm not telling him anything. You guys are. <laughs> so we went to the club. We went to the, you know, to the, to the you know, what was really cool about Nitro is we could work, show up at the hotel, you know, take a shower, be downstairs and catch our match. And we'd all be in a bar drinking at that, <laughs> that hotel we were at. So, so Kevin was, you know, he was always the pitch man. So Kev pitched the idea. And Bischoff sort of, well, he sort of hem-hawed it a little bit. You're like, oh, I don't know. And Scott said, so let me get this right. You two are buddies. And you aren't going to help him? You're like as hot as he is right now? Like, you're not going to help him? He goes, I'm not sure if I want to work here. Phew. Phew. And Bischoff did the deal. You know, he pushed it out there to the bookers. If God's honest truth, the reason why it took so long to get from point A to point B is because they put it on the TV at least eight times, like on the written sheet for the right. TV, mm -hmm. and for one reason or another pulled it off. That's <laughs> and it had me at a point where I was ready to quit again. Wow! Because I thought in the big show, big shows on because it was the giant back mm -hmm. then, and he was my boy, you know, and he was like, dude. They're never going to take care of you. They're never going to let you drop those guys. He's like, you should go to New York. I said, dude, I'm ready. That Monday, we were in New Orleans, and it was on a TV sheet. And I had 12 minutes for the match with this guy, Mark Starr, and the angle. By the time I got to the curtain, I was down to four minutes. <laughs> I was so pissed off. And I figured they would try to, like, you know, like, just be a hot shot, right? Right. And I was so mad. I'm like, Kev, Kev, they cut the time. They cut the time. <laughs> He's like, dude, what do you always tell me? I go, I don't know. What do I always tell you? He said, breathe. <laughs> and, and then he said, it's why. What are they going to do? Yeah, right. They're going to cut us shorter? Dude, we're out there. He goes, go out there. Tonight's your night. Have fun. And when I went out in the match with Mark Starr, who was a really, he was a good worker, a really good worker. And I don't know what he missed when I said bank shot diamond cutter and he hit the turnbuckle. I just wanted him to stagger out. So I'll <laughs> catch you and take you. And he hits that turnbuckle, bounces out, takes about three steps, and then dies. Like, <laughs> like a Ric Flair. Ric Flair, but I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Oh, my God. So I dove at him. And caught him a foot from the ground, and the place exploded. But to me, it was lame. So when I push him over, like the cover, look at my face. I'm so mad. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm so mad. But those guys came out, man. And you know, when I hit Scott, you know, Kevin, I hugged him, and he walked away. And Scott freaking gave me a little, you know, pat on the butt thing. And then he went to you know, slap me five. I held onto his hand when he moved away. Yeah. And as he pulled, I pulled and. Man, that was that was the beginning of my career taking off. It made Randy Macho Man Savage want to work with me, you know. And we were the feud of the year in 1997. We actually edged out, according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, we edged out my boy Stone Cold and Bret Hart. 
Wow. Was that, wait, was that night, that was in the dome too, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 33,000 oh people. God, man. How cool is that? It was <laughs> unbelievable, man. Oh, that's. But I, I tell you what, I was so bad. It was the first time I took off into the people, and I didn't realize, wait a minute, this is a dome. Yeah, it's a dome <laughs> forever. 400 feet. <laughs> It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and I just had to keep walking and walking and walking. I couldn't walk that down. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's hilarious. But, but I'm going to give you an example of setting someone not get the full effect of it and how the, how the booking company did stuff to me back then. If Stone Cold would have done something like that to Vince at the 9 o'clock hour, how many times would it play before the end of the night? 20? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. At least six, seven, right? Yeah. How many times in my, the, the, the diamond cutter out of nowhere that dropped the NWO, how many times did it play? I think once the next week, maybe. Zero that yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. I got so drunk on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Scott Hall. Scott Hall ended up taking care of me. <laughs> He's like, whoa, Dally, you got my spot. I'm not supposed to be me. And Scotty tells the funniest story because we're in New Orleans and um, uh, Dan Aykroyd owns one of the uh, House of Blues down there. Yeah. And they were walking out and I was like so whacked out. Hey, Ghostbuster. <laughs> What you gonna do? <laughs> you know, diamond cutter. <laughs> I was a mess. Oh, I was dude. a mess. Scotty tells, Scotty tells a really funny story off of that. Oh, um, uh, so we've already been doing this for like a half an hour, and I don't know how much more we can keep you, but, um, yeah. I, I have to ask you about, You've heard all the rumors about the, the Hall of Fame, and I, I gotta know as you've watched Scott and Jake go in recently, you you weren't in the WWE for very long, but because you've had such an impact on wrestling, what would it mean to you if you were to get that call in the next couple of years? Well, you know, uh, if WCW would have won the war, I'd already be in the Hall of Fame. Right, <laughs> so, right. And, uh, you know, Terry Funk is great as he, you know, one of the greatest Hall of Famers ever, but he didn't have that great a run in WWE either, you know. But he was an impact god. You know, around the world, you know, um, and I don't compare myself to Terry Funk by any stretch of imagination, um, because I think he's, he's one of the guys that I would imitate sometimes because <laughs> he was so great. But there's a lot of guys, you know, Cowboy Bill Watts, you know, he never had any run in WWE. It's like, what did you do in your federation? Right. Oh, that's a WWE owned. Yeah, correct. <laughs> it's now a WWE you property, know? right? Right. So, yeah, when it happens, it happens. It's no question in my mind at some point it has to, you know? Yeah. You know, and, cause, you know what? In my, after going in the Cauliflower Alley Club, and, you know, that was uh, last year, uh, their 50th anniversary, I was the first guy, and I'm so proud of this. You know, it may sound like I'm bragging, but I'm really just proud of it. But I was the first guy ever that they ever gave two awards to in the same banquet, you know, in the same deal. And, uh, you know, they gave me the humanitarian award and the, uh, you know, and the wrestler award, which was pretty damn cool. Um, you know, and, and you, you opened up with this, which is really amazing. You know, um, what I did in wrestling was like, it was so cool, man. I, I was living a dream on a whole nother level. Uh, like it, it was just literally, it was a fantasy. But what I'm doing today is even 
massive. Cool work. It's massive, like, bro. Like changing lives, like helping people own their lives. It's, uh, you know, I said five years ago on Neil Bryan, Neil Bryan Alvarez is. Yeah. He does a show uh, yeah, absolutely. weekly. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> he works with the Belzer. And five years ago, I'll never forget it, uh, he said to me, he said, so, Diamond, where do you see Diamond Dallas Page in five years? I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I said, but I honestly believe, you know, originally the name was YRG, but it's all been branded DDP Yoga. I said, um, I honestly believe that DDP Yoga is going to overshadow my wrestling career. He was like, what? Because <laughs> like, it was still, no one really knew about it, you know? But I'd already known, I'd helped that disabled veteran. Who's from? Baltimore, Maryland. Mr. Arthur Borman, uh, who's an amazing... Oh, I saw his story. Today. Amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, after him, I like if he never went through his transformation where he loses about 140 pounds in 10 months, but more importantly loses the knee braces, the back braces, and the canes, and not just walks but runs, I don't know if I ever would have... I know I never would have got Chris Jericho to do it. Uh, who lives, eats, and sleeps and breathes. The yoga is the only workout he does. Guy jumped off the top of the cage, you know, at 44, mm-hmm. after saying his career was over, three, you know, four years earlier. I don't think I ever would have got Ryback to do it. I never would have got Dustin Rhodes to do it. I never would have got Jacob Scott to do it. You know, but once they saw that video, that inspired them to think, well, hey, if this guy can do that, what could I do? And that's what I tell everybody. You know? I'm gonna. It's gonna sound a little nerdy here, and I don't know. I'll speak for Aaron as well. We as wrestling fans need to say thank you because it has sucked to watch our heroes die, and that you have cared so much for those guys. On top of what you're doing as a business and for the average person, but that you've cared so much for those guys to try to prevent that. It means a lot to wrestling fans. Thank you, DDP. Yeah, man. That's, uh, a lot of people say it to me, and I, I'm just thankful that they both got their lives on track. You know, uh, I was talking to Scotty today. I talked to Jake yesterday. You know, I talked to them all the time. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's it's awesome. You know, yeah. nothing I can say better. You know? It's, and, it's and, awesome. You know, Jake, in our movie, you see, he stumbles. He falls. You know, you know uh, an addiction isn't an overnight thing. And uh, you've got to get people, I call it self-talk, like the story you tell yourself. And that's the biggest reason you've seen these two guys start to turn their lives around, because they tell themselves a different story. They don't just keep beating themselves up. Anybody who's listening, you know, know, no one can do more damage to you than you. Nobody. No one can make you feel more worthless. No one can make you feel more shame. No one can make you feel like everything sucks. Nobody can make you feel as bad as you. Now, the positive side is no one can inspire you more than you. No one can give you more focused drive, determination. Nobody can do that, but like you can. You know, the story you tell yourself, I'll leave you guys with this right here. One of the things that really clicked with those guys was, you know, so let me ask you, before you, you know, step through the curtain, as you were lacing up your boots, were you thinking to yourself, oh, God, this is going to suck. 
oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick this place out. Oh, this is going to be horrible. They're going to hate me. No. You, Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, Jake the Snake Roberts, was saying to themselves, I own this place. I'm about to go out there and steal the show. I'm going to blow everyone away. Well, why can't you tell yourself that story no doubt. when you get out of it? Oh, no because doubt. you can. You can. You just have to work at it. Like Scott had accused me numerous times of going, Dally, you're so effing positive. You know, you know, how do you do it? It's like, how do I do it? I work at it. It just doesn't happen. Right. You've got to work at it. The story you tell yourself is where it all starts. Um, I, I know you got to go because we kept you long. I'll run through all these plugs one more time real quick uh, after we let you go. DDP, thank you, man. Seriously, this was awesome. Well, it was uh, a great time spending you guys. And anytime I get to talk about my boys, it's all positive. Anybody who's listening out there, you uh, want to go see the movie with Jake? JakeSnakeMovie.com. It's all there. Sign up. If you sign up, then you'll know when we're coming to your town or the VOD or a DVD, or even when it's coming to Showtime, you know, Netflix, that'll be a while. But uh, if you want to see it now, it's going to go, and it's going to explode on the Internet. So uh, go and sign up if you're looking to uh, invest in your in your body, in your mind. Go to ddpyoga.com. It's all there. Fellas, it's been your pleasure. Yes, certainly has. Thank, thank you, man. <laughs> Let's run through the plugs real quick one more time for him. October 3rd, Charles Theater in Baltimore, the Jake the Snake movie. It's the resurrection of Jake the Snake. It, it's, Dude, I'm watching it right now. And Look, we'll pull the curtain back. She sent it to me last night. I'm like, I don't have time for this. You know, I just, I'll, I'll get to it at some point. I've seen a million documentaries. I happen to have a little bit of time between my show uh, on Thursday and when we taped today. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. It is powerful, man. I really encourage you to check it out. And by the way, Jake's also going to be at Maryland Championship Wrestling uh, next few weeks. Okay, he's probably right around then. Actually, uh, it's September nineteenth. Actually, oh, so he's going to be weekend. in town a couple times. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So he'll be back on October third for that. Again, mm-hmm. JakeTheSnakeMovie.com, as DDP mentioned. Uh, he DDP is coming to town in February yep. uh, for a yoga event, um, and you can go to DDPYPC. Make sure I have that website right. <laughs> you know what? Follow him on Twitter. Follow the man on Twitter, at RealDDP, um, and you can go to DiamondDallasPage.com to find out more about everything he's doing. That was – I know it was long. Oh, it, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, the stories about – especially that night in New Orleans. The night in New Orleans. I was, was going to say, could, could, could you – I'd love to have been a fly on the wall. Oh, my wall God, for, man. For DDP, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall running around Bourbon Street after DDP, the biggest moment of his career to that point. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, all right, so do we just go right into the quick count? Yeah, let's do that. A reminder that uh, this week and every week, the show is brought to you by WrestleCrate, WrestleCrate.com, at WrestleCrates on Twitter. There is so much great stuff every month in your WrestleCrate. To find out more, again, go to WrestleCrate.com. You can sign up for just $15 a month and take 10% off just by using the code J-O-SENTME. That's J-O as in jobbing out. J-O sent me. Aaron, uh, the quick count, we always let you start off by uh, being a little nerdy and stepping outside the world of the most mainstream WWE stuff. 
Uh, what do you have for us this week for number one? There's a couple ways I consider talking about uh, Shikara's King of Trios ah, this week. Yes, obviously. But uh, I, I decided to go against that, though. You should uh, check that out because there was some great match there. But uh, I'm going to talk. We I demand you talk more about that. I'm kidding. Go ahead. I mean, I could. You want me to sit here and talk yeah. an hour about Shikar, the, the extol the virtues of Shikar? No, but um, we haven't talked about TNA in a while and bringing up WCW. <laughs> Maybe for a good reason. Good reason. You know, the, the, the GFW invasion angle is now fully in bloom, and it kicked off, I think it was last week. And, uh, or it might have been two weeks ago. You've already been out on this. Yeah. Like, you've been tapped out on this. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just want to present you this image. So you, you have this big invasion angle, um, you know, I think a couple guys on TNA had been, like, run down with a car or attempted to run down with a car. They're trying to figure out who did it. And uh, it comes out in the ring, and uh, it, uh, who was it? I think it was Drew. Yeah, Drew McIntyre, or the former Drew McIntyre, now Drew Galloway, accuses Jeff Jarrett of doing it. Now, it wasn't Jeff Jarrett, as it turns out. It was Karen Jarrett oh. who who did it. And then all the GFW alums run out, attack. TNA guys come out. The GFW people win. And, and stand tall. And, and I just want to li- read off the names or some of the names of the GFW people who are representing the company in this invasion. Okay. Led by Chris Mordetsky, the former Chris Masters. Oh, really? Yes. You have, oh, God, who else was there? It was uh, Sanjay Dutt was part okay. of it. Right. You had uh, the former Kurt Hawkins, who I like. I like, you yeah, know. sure. Kurt Hawkins, uh, Bri- uh, Brian Lee, who, or Trevor Lee, excuse me, ah. who's uh, an indie guy. And and these are your main guys. And Jeff Jarrett, of course. Right, right. And, oh, PJ Black. That's what the world is oh, clamoring P- PJ for. PJ Black, the former Justin Gabriel. Okay. So, you know, all of those are great guys. I like all those guys as wrestlers. They're, they're all fine. When When that's your main invasion angle and it's turning into a big TNA versus GFW and – your, your company's being represented by those guys. Yeah. I, I just don't know what you're trying to do here. I mean, I know what they're trying to do. They're, they're grasping at straws because GFW's already in trouble as they already had to cancel tapings and there's all sorts of nonsense going on. And who knows if TNA is going to be on the air after the next few weeks. There's talk that the last one is like the last week of September. That's the last tape, the thing they have taped, and right now there are no tapings. Oh, um, now that could just be, re- uh, what could end up happening is GFW wins and all of a sudden the GFW, uh, tapings that they have in the can right now start airing on Destination America. Um, I just don't know what they're doing and it's, it's just a mess. Well, it sounds awful. It, it, it's, <laughs> it just sounds it's, awful. It's, it's really bad. It's, it's really, really bad. And I, I didn't even get into Chris Melendez losing his prosthetic leg. In the match to Eric Young, Eric Young won. Chris Chris Melendez, who's who's a uh, veteran, yeah, and he has a prosthetic leg, and Eric Young won his leg in a match. And seems like a nice prize. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice prize, and um, it looks like they're going. I can't tell if Drew Galloway is going to challenge Ethan Carter for the title because Ethan Carter's feuded with the Hardys right now, or if he's going to defend TNA against GFW and end up facing like Jeff Jarrett. It's 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 a mess. Okay, so there's when's that. Lucha Underground coming right. back? That's what I right. want to know. That's, your, that's a good question. When is it coming back? Uh, hopefully around January. All right, very that, good. That's the hope. Number two, let's talk about. Let's stay with kind of TNA and let's talk about Kurt Angle and his future. 
Uh, they did an interview. I can't remember exactly who it was with. Ah. But, uh. Tell me, I probably could have looked it up. Yeah, maybe. We have the internet. We do have the internet. But, uh, Kurt Angle did an interview. He said that his contract, his current contract with TNA expires in January. And he plans not re-signing with TNA, but, at least what he says, he's not going to jump over to WWE either. He wants a break from wrestling. And he wants to reset. He said maybe there's a future there with WWE, you know, like a Legends contract or a future return with somebody. Right. But he just wants a break right now. And he's going. So first off, do you believe him? Um, we talked to, when did we talk to Kurt Angle? We talked to Kurt Angle like three months Back ago. Back in May, I believe, around there. Um, I didn't get the sense that he needed one more run in the WWE at that point. And I've gotten the sense that he either is or should be burnt out for some time. Um, here's the problem. The problem is that working gives you money, and not working doesn't tend to make you a lot of money. Well, just showing up to these, you know, indie shows. You can go to an indie show, yeah, do I mean, autographs, and get do five that. grand or so. He can do that. And, I, you know, it might be good for him. I don't I don't know, man. It's always tough for me. I, I believe that he probably is looking at a place in his life where everything he's been through, he could use some time off. And he can't like where TNA is headed right now. Like, he can't think that's a good thing. For all you know, he's gone after September. Right. Um, and the other thing, too, is I think that you've got to look at the WWE and sort of say, is, does WWE really want Kurt Angle at the moment? I think they wouldn't mind having I'm him not on a legend. Not, not, I don't think that's they, would, the they would never bring him back full time. I think never it's one ever. thing for him to say, I'm not going to run to the WWE right now. We don't know that WWE wants Kurt Angle back at the moment. I, I think they'd want to sign him to a legend. I, yeah. I, they and, and, I think, or, and I think, and, and honestly, I think he's kind of talking out of his ass a little, little bit just because, I mean, he's been campaigning to, like, almost openly campaigning to go back to WWE for several years now. Like, every interview. This is the first... The reason why this is such big news is the first interview he's ever done, it seems like, where he has, like, yeah, I'd love to go back to WWE for one yeah, more but even though when even when we talked to him, he sort of was like, yeah, I would. You know, I'm not saying... Right. But he didn't seem like he needed to do it. Right. Um, I... You know, th- again, this is just sort of the way that I feel right now. I feel like the Kurt is in a spot where he realizes... It's probably for the best for him to not put himself out there week after week after week. But could there be a scenario where the WWE – like if, if he approached the WWE and said, look, I just want three months. Give me Rumble to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Let me do something that matters. Brock, for example. They're going to continue to operate with Brock away from mm-hmm. the rest of the card. Yeah, that would, that would be fun. Would Kurt Angle Brock N- not nice, be a uh, – WrestleMania was nine. 19- Rematch? Yeah, that sounds yes, right. 19. Yeah, that sounds right. And also two guys that have accomplished maybe the most of anyone of their era away from oh, the WWE. Yes. That when you consider that... At least athletically. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, so The Rock's a movie star, right. yeah. But no, it, as far as actual legitimate yes. competition is concerned, are there two you know, performers that are more accomplished outside of the WWE. You could maybe say Mark Henry, but that would be, you but he, know. But he yeah. never, you know. Right. It, it wasn't the Olympics. It was the, you know, the, right, the weight, the, all the weightlifting accolades and stuff. Um, yes. I, I could see that still being an interesting, at the time Brock Lesnar hadn't accomplished what he's accomplished right. now. He was a very accomplished grappler at the time when he faced Kurt Angle as a, an, a you know, an, an all-American right. wrestler in college. But he is not, he had not accomplished the UFC a heavyweight championship at the time, that the two of them, there would still be... Remember, Kurt Angle was thinking about going MMA for a little right. while. That was a route that he had considered. He starred in the, uh, the what was that movie? The uh, Warrior, which Warrior. was tremendous 
God, that was such a good movie. I can't believe it never uh, did better than it did. Um, yeah, I can see why. You're nuts. That movie was unbelievable. I, I enjoyed good. it. I don't. I, you. We we will talk you're about insane. this. You're insane. It's amazing. <laughs> um. So so there is credibility. I think that it could come to something like that. If he pitched them on, give me three months. Let I, me try to do the shooting star press again. Yeah. I mean, I I think <laughs> if he Brock. if he pitched them on a short run like that to say this is going to be it. This will be the la- This will be how it ends. Then I could see them being receptive to it, but right now I don't think the WWE is saying, "Hey, let's have you around every day." And I do think they have to be sort of creative in what they do with their legends. I don't think it's as simple as saying, "Oh, you used to be part of the company. Why don't you come over here and take a legends contract, and we'll figure out the way to use you." I think that he would have to go pitch them something and talk to Triple H about it for them to truly be interested. And I do think if he's really done with TNA, that's something that he will probably explore over the next couple of months. Is what could I pitch to Triple H? to give me one final moment with the WWE yeah. at 46, 47, whatever it is now. I mean, if nothing else, they could use him as just the American hero. Like, yeah. if, if absolutely nothing else. I don't – see, you, you talk about this three-month run. I could buy – I don't know if WWE wants to take the risk of him being in the ring for multiple times. You know, well, I don't think he wrestling no, no, more than twice, twice. in that and, three-month and that's the thing. span. It, if it was two – you know, he yeah, shows up at the Rumble, a rumble and then Right, it, yeah. it, it, you end up – for whatever reason, Brock in, you know, puts himself in the rumble and says, right. I want to, you know, I want a title shot. This is how I'm going to get it. Whatever. And, and Kurt throws him out. Correct. Yeah. Kurt throws him out and then it sets up, um, yeah. a WrestleMania. I, they I don't, don't hate it. I, I don't hate it. Not only do I not hate it, I, if this is the way you're going to use Brock, I'd like for you to use Brock with the card, but if you're going to use it this way, that to me is at least more enjoyable right. than some of the other things that I think that you could possibly yep. do here. So, but I think he's got to pitch that. Yep. Um, number three. Number three uh, has to do with oh, right, recently Ray. returned uh, Bubba. We had uh, two guys come up fairly recently. Actually, Rico, the, do you remember Rico? Rico Constantino. Rico Constantino, the former hairdresser and former tag team champion in WWE. He had come out a while ago and talked about Bubba. Now, Rene Dupree. Another former tag another team champion. Another La, La Resistance. And uh, he came out and basically said that Bubba was it more or less said he was a dangerous wrestler. He didn't give a damn about his opponents. And while he wouldn't necessarily intentionally injure you, he didn't care if he did injure you. Well, the the, the damning story was the idea that he had told Bubba that he gave him a uh, that he had a torn hamstring at one point in a match, and that Bubba threw him in two particular ways that tore it. Twice, yeah. More. That that was Rico who said that. It was yeah. Rico. Yeah. And then I think that that Renee said so that he, he intended he basically he would intentionally give you concussions. concussions. Yeah. Yes. Um, or I, I don't think they ever they never said intentionally. It, this wasn't CM Punk basically saying that Ryback intentionally injured him. But Are you the, sure they didn't say intentionally? Uh, I could have sworn that there was something in there about that it was. It seems more negligence than intentional. I don't think they're saying that, but it was just that he didn't really give a damn about their body, which is you know various shades of the same thing. Okay, so there's a couple things jump out at me at this, right? One, there is a possibility that this was a different era. Um, well, this is and, them coming off of ECW as well, right. where that sort of, you know, that the garbage style was the well, style. But it's one thing to be garbage style. It's another thing to be purposefully reckless. Like well, to, a lot of the ECW guys, though. I, I hear you, but if somebody says to you in the middle of a match, dude, I got a torn hamstring, for you to not... Right. You, you come out of ECW... No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that... But I think it's more about the era in, in all of culture, which was tough guy, which was... Mm-hmm. I'll show you what a badass I am. I don't care about your torn hamstring, and you're going right. to keep performing too. And you would hope that if that's the case, then years later, 
Bubba Ray Dudley now knows you can't do that anymore. Right. It the, the, doesn't. The fact that the, these uh, are coming from guys who wrestled them in 02, 03. Right. Leads you to believe that, okay, maybe he's gotten safer and maybe he's better. And, but and, it's, it's something that, you know, it's interesting to look at, if nothing else. Um, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. At, at worst, um, this is damnation towards a guy that's been wildly popular and has accomplished a lot of things. It does end up making a few people sort of say, yeah, that's, that's pretty shitty, man. Like, yep. that's a pretty shitty thing about you. I like Bubba, I like the Dudley Boys a lot. I've always been a Dudley Boys guy. Um, you know, but there, there, there were, he, he wouldn't be alone if he did do that. He wouldn't be alone even in the WWE. You know, Hardcore Holly is notorious for not just working stiff, but be, sometimes if, if he was in a bad mood, if well, he didn't and really respect like you. Like, Seamus works stiff now. Yeah, Seamus works a big show sometimes works stiff, but, you know, he doesn't do what Hardcore Holly did to that one tough enough kid and intentionally right. beat the shit out of him. Right, correct. You know, the, the build them up, even though. Yeah, or the build a mot style of, right. you know, where I'm just going to beat the living shit out of I, you. Uh, some people, the people in the wrestling business, there are still probably some that argue that has to exist. Right. It has to exist for you to learn. And, and to be, and, and, and that, back in the 70s, the 80s, that's what it was. Right. Especially that reeks of the football mentality of you guys don't understand because you're not part of the game. This, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. That has to go. Yep. That all must be gone. Not just, you know, what we're talking about with Bubba Ray Dudley, but even the stuff that you're saying, which is, hey, you get them in the ring and you have to toss them around and beat them up a little bit so they understand who they are. That's gotta go. Yep. All of that and has it seems to like, end. And it seems like it started to. For them, I think that, that they are fewer, you hear less about it, yeah. at least. You hope that means it's because it doesn't happen as much. And not because they've learned to shut up. Exactly. Yep. Exactly right. Alright, let's get into this week's top five. Um, Aaron, we were talking about uh, the 20th anniversary of Nitro with uh, DDP and in our second segment, and it got me to thinking. You brought up some of the uh, the reasons why it went south at the end, and because you were more the WCW guy than I was, I'm going to let you have this week's top five yourself. All right. I'm going to give you this week's top I, five. I hopefully will entertain you. I hope top so. Because these are... Some of the more memorable and in some cases enjoyable terribleness okay. that were in the later years. I, I considered having this be all of WCW and include RoboCop or include the um, uh, what did they call the uh, the big structure the where they had uh, oh god I'm free the Tower of Doom I think they no that was the thing from Ready to Rumble but whatever it was called all the terribleness that happened in the early years now I'm just thinking to the last probably three years of Nitro here and my number five is it's a wide uh, over encompassing thing it's all of the terrible gimmicks they had you had stuff like Mike Awesome debuted do you remember what Mike Awesome actually he didn't debut as this but eventually became he did like a talk show didn't he well he did that and then he became the fat chick thriller oh god he went to like, I think he was that 70s guy, and then he became, uh, actually I could have just done Mike Awesome as a whole thing, yeah. but that 70s guy, and he became the fat chick thriller. That 70s guy was the talk show, right? I think so, yeah. He was like no, sitting on a the, couch, it was... There was oh. that, there was Misfits in Action with General Huge Erection, oh. and Major Guns, and General G.I. Bro, and uh, oh, there was stuff like Three Count, so which was bad. so entertaining, but... So utterly terrible, and I could go on. I could go on and on for just yeah. a half hour yeah, listing yeah, all yeah. of the amazingly horrendous gimmicks. But Jesus, that's really bad. It, it that's was so really much fun. Bad. Like you know, we we talk about the Adam Roses every now and then being bad, pretty bad. but pretty bad. But you don't have consistent terribleness quite like I this. Guess. I guess. 
Uh, my number four is um, pretty much any time Vince Russo was on screen. <laughs> and, and he and I'm not just talking about, you know, everyone remembers him doing the thing with Hogan at, I believe it was Bash at the Beach 2000, where he came out and, like, kayfabe, you know, did, did the, the worked shoot where he said he, Hogan always put himself over and right. all that nonsense. And that was terrible. But there was also stuff he was, for a while, he was the powers that be. You would always see him like, do you, do you remember Inspector Gadget when watching it when you were a kid, the cartoon? Yes, sort? of course. You, you remember the, the one guy, the Dr. Claw, how you would always see the back of his chair and you would see the arm? Well, Vince Russo, for a while, he wasn't called Vince Russo. I think he was just called, like, the power. He was basically just a figure. But you would see the back of his chair and his arm and you would hear him talk. Okay. And, um... Basically, just everything, and then later on, he would go on to be the leader of the non nonsense stables, and he would feud with Sting and Ric Flair and all sorts of terribleness. And he did all the the work shoot stuff. It was just really, really yeah. bad. Yeah, it is really bad, isn't it? Yep. Next one's more fun. Okay. Next one's a lot more fun okay. than, than just pure terribleness. Uh, Rick Steiner was coming out, and he was he was plagued by by the sound effect for a while there. And throughout throughout Nitro, you would hear laughter happen throughout the show every now and then. And people were like, what could this laughter be? You know, is this a new character? What's happening here? Finally, Rick Steiner's out. He's in the middle of an interview with, I believe it was Mean Gene. And uh, who's going to show up on the Titantron but Chucky? <laughs> Chucky the doll. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. um, yeah, it was really, really bad. And it, it proceeded to have... Probably one of the worst in-ring segments ever. Uh, I think Steiner challenged him to a fight. And uh, I, I can't remember all the details of it, but had some of the worst lines in history. Uh, saying, uh, I think he said, uh, Rick Steiner at one point said, I'm no dummy, you're a dummy, to Chucky. And I can't remember the eventual blow-off of that, but I know it wasn't very good. And this was Ugh. all, I think this was the Bride Ugh. of Chucky was coming out, so it was the crossover. And Ugh. actually, the next, the next one's also going to be a crossover one. But right. uh, that one in particular was simultaneously amazing right. and terrible. Right, right, And And it just, it provides me a smile every time I think of Rick, WCW. Rick, Rick Steiner yelling at Chucky on the Tron. Man, man, that is really bad. It, it's really bad. really bad. Number two, another crossover one, and um, this was... When they had a pseudo invasion from Master P and his No Limit Soldiers. Oh, I do remember that. Yes. Wow. Yes, they paid a lot of money for that. Not only see, it's one thing for people to show up. I, you know, I don't mind when, re- you know, people show up for a show or something like that and do stuff. But no, the No Limit Soldiers actually were wrestlers, and they gotten feuds, and Master P went over on legitimate wrestlers. And it was terrible. The one good thing about it, though, there was one good thing about Master P and the No Limit Soldiers, and that was the spawn of the West Texas Rednecks. Okay. I don't remember that coming out of that, though. Because their thing was, I hate rap. Rap is crap. Oh, uh, okay. so that, that All right, all and, right. And that, that song was amazing, oh. and... Uh, I Kurt totally, I totally forgot about the Master P thing. I mean, I completely <laughs> forgot about uh, For it. good reason, because they, they had the No Limit Soldiers going over on wrestlers, and I feel like they might have even become tag champs at one point. Ugh. It was Ugh. all sorts of terribleness, and it was glorious. So and um, It was, um, yeah, it was interesting things. But uh, I, I feel like the 
one thing that the late WCW is known for is uh, Vince Russo and his ob- seeming obsession. You know, we, we, we joke about Teddy Long, and he comes out on SmackDown when he was GM. We're going to have a tag match. And it's always, you know, a six-man or a tag right, match. Right, right. With Vince Russo, we're going to have a match on a pole. And every week, it seemed like, there was a, uh, oh boy, it, just various, well, I remember there was, you know, se- several pink slip on a pole matches. Right. There were, there, you know, t- normal title matches. There was, uh, I believe, a Viagra on a pole match at one point. There was, God. <laughs> there was a, th- this was great, you get all the uh, luchadors together? Yeah. A pinata on a pole match. <laughs> oh, God. But the greatest one ever. And as I look now, it's actually up on WWE.com, featured for Mother's Day. Judy Bagwell on a pole. Canyon vs. Buff Bagwell. And they put Judy Bagwell up on a forklift where the object was to get to her. And, um, yeah, that was... was, sick thinking about that. That was probably, arguably, the worst thing that ever happened in... I can't believe this didn't work out. Yeah, it, I it's, can't believe it, it's pretty amazing. Oh, look, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the video now, and there's Judy Bagwell being oh, driven out on a forklift. God, so bad. By uh, I think that's Canyon there. So bad. Oh God. Good times. Can't believe it didn't work. Now, out. Now, and, and this happens. I I I I thought I of those five of those, in about ten right, seconds. Right, and you think of them fondly. <laughs> well, not just not just fondly, but I thought that in ten seconds. I I'm sure you know I could have gone into David. Well, a David Flair just period. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and then David Flair with Stacey Keebler and the whole pregnancy, not pregnancy uh, thing. Could, uh, I could have talked about that. That would have been fun. There there were numerous things I could have pointed to, but I, I had to stop it. So uh, yeah, that was fun. Wow. Fun for somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> nice job, by the way. Very nice. Oh, yes. I, I hope that entertained everybody with your visit down memory oh, road there. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody for uh, being part of the show. Please continue to spread the word about us. We Very grassroots. We need you. Uh, like, subscribe, share, mention something on Facebook, on Twitter, tell your friends, the whole thing. Download it on their computer if you can. Download it on their phone. Whatever you need to do, please continue to spread the word. Um, thanks to WrestleCrate for making the show happen. Thanks, of course, to uh, Diamond Dallas Page for checking in with us as well. Aaron, uh, you are where on Twitter? Uh, the Aoster. And what do you have coming up, Rolling Stone and the Baltimore Sun? Uh, nothing specific. Just keep an eye out. There are a couple articles for Rolling Stone that should be coming out in the next few weeks that I think uh, our listenership will enjoy. All right. Very good. Um, I am on Twitter at Glenn Clark Radio with two N's. GlennClarkRadio.com is where I do my sports show throughout the week. Hope that you have a wonderful week. We'll be back. Where is next week? Is the week leading up to the yes? We will, we will be joined. Son of a bitch! By uh, our, uh, our now NFL. Rock. Right, yeah, he's on the right. fifty-three man. But yes. our main event returns next week. Our buddy uh, AJ Francis will be back on the uh, program next week to help us preview United Champions. Have a great week uh, for Aaron for WrestleCrate. I'm Glenn. This has been Jobbing Out.